that kill was righteous. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. What's up? And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Hello! Uh, you sound in- like Mrs. Devereaux. Did you ever see that SNL sketch? We always derail Chris's intro. I'm sorry. Sorry. That Alec Baldwin is like the master impressionist, but every impression is, hello, this is Mrs. Devereaux. (laughs) Anyway. I thought it was Mrs. Doubtfire, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, definitely a Mrs. something. It's a guy trying to sound like a woman. Correct. Um, But uh, today we're going to continue our series of best of the years we've been alive, and we're at 2008. kill you what would i do without you that's how dad did it that's how america does it and it's worked out pretty well so far no talent i'm not talking about talent i said genius genius like there's something wrong with wanting to have a good time i'll tell you something i hated the fucking 90s report back to me when uh i don't know when it makes sense get off my lawn i'm gonna roll you into a little ball and shove you up my vagina when ted get here he gonna be like kill that motherfucker kill your motherfucker Watch your head. We're gonna figure it out out there. Let's go surfing, come on. Everybody's learning how. Come on, uh, the weather outside is weather. First, take a big step back and literally fuck your own face! Yeah. Party. I fucking believe that shit? <laughs> Party. I'm just a dude trying to sound like a dude trying to sound like a woman. Yes, <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> well, um, uh, hinting so, at a 2008 movie exactly. we discuss. So 2008, I think the very first movie we should start off with here is The Dark Knight because Ooh. not only did it make the most money out of this year, it also changed the way the Oscars decided to do their Best Picture uh, nominee. At least for a time. Um, because, uh, for the longest time, it's like five movies got in and then after dark Knight got snubbed in some people's eyes, uh, they decided to do like some random, like it wasn't a limit. It was just kind of like, well, whatever we think might be best picture, we'll throw it on a nominees list or whatever. Um, so, but anyway, the dark Knight, amazing, amazing. This is one of those movies, I may never have gone into a movie more hyped and come out even more impressed than I expected to be. Oh, yeah? Like, I, by, the, by the time it came out, we, everybody had read that Heath Ledger was apparently great in this movie. Uh, most of us liked Batman Begins. I'm a huge Batman comic nerd from my youth. And so I went in, the way I went into Matrix Reloaded, it could have been shitty, and I probably would have come out and said, that was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but I came out saying, that was goddamn amazing. Did Heath Ledger die before this came out or yes. right after? Yeah, he before. did. The, uh, the, the semi, like the posters were out. Like uh-huh. you could see, you like uh, I remember actually I was going to a meeting uh, at a theater and I saw the poster as I walked up it. And, uh, and that morning, that's when I heard the news. Mm. And, um, and it was just, uh, you know, one of those crazy things, man. You're just, you're in a movie theater and you just saw that poster and yeah. that ha- and that happened and it happened like a mile away from me and everything. Mm. I was just like, whoa. But yeah, that did happen before it came out and it probably vaulted it, uh, a lot, uh, morbidly vaulted the movie up higher than it probably would have normally done. But 
because Heath Ledger had become sort of a, you know, Kurt Cobain or whatever, mm -hmm. this is what sort of happened for that movie. And not only that, though, it was so good that it, I mean, it, it, for a minute there, you thought maybe it might be the number one movie of all time. It got yeah. very close to well, doing that. Yeah. I mean, we were talking last week about two of the best villains of this century, if not all time. And mm. this has got to be up in the conversation. It does, too. because especially if you have any previous association with like the Batman lore, because you know, Nicholson was great in Burton's Batman, but he's just a criminal. Right, mm. he just want, he wants to get Batman out of the way. But the Joker's always had this symbiotic relationship with Batman, where they sort of need each other. They're the yin and yang, and he, he even says in this movie, "You complete me. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to kill you." Mm -hmm. um, and it gets that right about the Joker for the first time on film. Um, in addition to just sort of the whole element of chaos, like he doesn't have an end game other than just chaos, and yeah. that's what the Joker's always been like in the comics as well. Yeah, that's what I've always loved about this movie is there's so many balls in the air, basically, that he's sort of juggling around and like and it is all for to what end? It's really just to see everybody running around and yeah. and uh and trying to solve all these things and he's always a step ahead and and uh and it's just I, I love it so much. There's it's especially the opening part of this oh, movie. Yeah, yeah. The bank robbery which you I think I think this was um, where you could where you finally said comic book movies can be more mm -hmm. was this movie. So um, why why haven't people why haven't these movies reached that level? Even you know Dark Knight Rises. Like why can't we get to this point again? Because there, there's nothing that's come close. Well, Dark to this, Knight Rises. It? You know clearly. I mean, I think he was clearly going to bring the Joker back eight years later mm. had Heath Ledger not died. And out of respect, you don't go back to the Joker with a different actor. And so they went to Bane and Catwoman. And it just kind of it's, it's very similar to Spider-Man 3. It's just that Spider-Man 3 was studio pressure and, and The Dark Knight Rises was somebody died and you had to change your plan completely. And there are elements of Rises that work, but it, it, the things that the, the few cracks there are in the Dark Knight are just exposed even more, like the way mm. Nolan shoots action and and especially car chases and things like that. Um, but, you know, what this movie did, I remember saying to friends, like, this, this doesn't have to be a superhero movie. I mean, it is in a sense, but this is a crime thriller. This mm. is a heist movie in the beginning that morphs into a, a, just a, a city crime drama. And I, I do think Winter Soldier at least tried to pick a genre... I don't think it succeeded in being like a 70s spy film like everybody who loves it says it is. But I think it was trying to be a genre film in the world of superheroes. And I do wish we'd see more of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, it just, the movie doesn't rely on like a, I think what Winter Soldier does where it's it's trying to be this, you know, over the top action comic book action movie at the same time right. as trying to be this 70s. It doesn't really mesh together well, I don't think um i mean that's our opinions obviously yeah. like everybody else thinks it's great it's the best but um but like uh yeah it just it goes to show that you know these movies can be told in a way that you take the you could take batman out of it and it's still like a good movie yeah you know like it's you could change the characters and it's not a comic book movie and it's still a great movie yeah, yeah. and nobody relies on performances in comic book movies it doesn't seem like you know nobody like points to you know, the Avengers and says like, oh, we've got a really killer performance from somebody. Right. You know, it, right. Was, it was like impactful. Yeah. Like this was. And maybe maybe they should. Maybe they say like, let's try to make this well acted, you know, to where you, you want to win awards and that kind of stuff. Well, it's so clear that Heath Ledger wanted to do this right. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, there's lots of stories about the journal he was keeping and how he would stay in character a lot and ride around on set on the skateboard. And there's the scene where he's got the guy hostage and he's like, look at me like mm-hmm. that. He, basically, Nolan just sent those two off with a video camera and Ledger, in effect, staged and directed those sequences. He was in the headspace of this character. Yeah. Now, his family has said, you know, that is not what led to his drugs and downfall he wasn't like in such a dark place after playing the joker yeah. he was despairing but he did go there like you know kind of the way daniel day lewis would mm-hmm. mm. um it is also kind of amazing that this this movie makes it city a character like you don't see that in comic book movies i mean a lot of these comic book movies are usually in new york or whatever but they shoot new york sort of like as a just a prop basically mm. it's not really this one is chicago and it even though it's Gotham, mm. it it there's very Chicago. It's a very Chicago yeah. movie. Yeah, they use the the uh, then under construction Trump Tower as the final set piece. Yeah, and we actually walk through the Marina City uh, towers where they have the the first uh, scene with the the parking lot and everything, where they're oh, driving yeah. down in the circle and everything. Well, and to speak to Dark Knight Rises again, they shot that in Pittsburgh, mm. and I and you can tell it doesn't feel like the same vibrant city that we got when we shot in chicago yeah mm. and well in dark knight rises also goes back and forth between pittsburgh new york and yeah. all these different cities to where it's really not i mean it's, i think they even shot i think they shot batman begins in london even mm. to try to keep making gotham change and everything but this that when batman and dark knight rises they just seemed like they were going all over the place and i never really got a feel for that being uh, you know the part of the part of the movie and everything even though pittsburgh's got its you know little you know special things about it the three rivers and all that yeah but, uh in chicago it's just very stark yeah you know just yeah. how how everything plays into the joker's plan in there um but uh yeah wonderful movie it's going to be one of those that we're definitely it's going to be in that voting at the end yeah and if it doesn't win uh, there are going to be a lot of listeners that are sad because i think it has yeah. that kind of reputation um fantastic movie if you've somehow never seen it <laughs> go watch it right. i don't know how that's possible i don't know what to tell you one <laughs> of the things i like real quick before we stop is how many great supporting characters give great performances even though they only have like william fickner's in that opening mm. bank scene you, you and your friends are dead yeah i don't know who you're stealing from and then you've got uh michael jai white as one of the gangsters and you've got uh eric roberts yeah as, uh, what makes you think i want to hear you talk yeah um, <laughs> and just uh, it, uh, another movie a lesser movie would would either cast lesser actors or, or just not try to coax great performances out of people who only have like five lines but mm-hmm. anyway helps sell the realism i think oh yeah this was also the beginning of marvel's attempt to make this big huge cinematic universe and it was iron man that started off the summer basically uh another great one yeah this isn't as good as dark knight but it, still my favorite it's marvel still movie the best marvel movie to mm-hmm. me too um and uh just incredible and we've talked about iron man a lot so we don't need to go too much into it but what a summer for comic book movies yeah and who would have thought that john favreau could do this yeah i didn't yeah i mean had he directed he directed made right well yeah he had done made and he'd done zathura oh yeah yeah elf yeah oh, but yeah. nothing to the scale that this was yeah and then when this came out i was I, and i when i saw the trailers i was like who gives a fuck about iron man <laughs> i really said no <laughs> it's such a tertiary character you got john favreau directing robert down jr at that point had fallen kind of off the map yeah and you had this weird 
ostensibly clunky Marvel character that's not, you know, somebody flashy like Captain America. Yeah. Worked worked it, so good. It, yeah. It just it I remember seeing trailers and the effects didn't look good and mm. all that stuff. That usually the stuff that like people who like to write articles like to write about and say that it's gonna hurt the movie, but it mm. never does. Yeah. <laughs> it never does. But uh, but I remember seeing the effects, and I was like, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, come on, I don't know if I'm even going to watch this movie. And uh, and then then yeah, I watched it, and I was like, man, this is good. Yeah, and it has that great ending too, where he does the exact opposite of what he expect, and he stands up at the press conferences and says. I am Iron Man. Yeah, and yeah. it basically just ends on that, and that was pretty ballsy and funny and cool for a you know a superhero in the cinematic world to do. We've never seen that. Yeah. In fact, Dark Knight plays on that with the whole press conference where yeah. Eckhart declares he's Batman. Yeah. Uh, but no, I love Iron Man to this day. It's my favorite Marvel. And uh, again, if you somehow haven't seen that, uh, get cracking. All right, guys. What else do you want to talk about? Let's go the exact opposite direction from big, huge budget, and let's talk about the wrestler for a minute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. This is, I think, in my opinion, Aronofsky's best film. Hmm. Uh, I Hmm. think it has the grit and emotion of Black Swan, uh, but in a a much more micro-focused way, uh, a much more relatable way, I think. And I love Black Swan. Um, I've seen this movie. This movie was on yesterday, and I watched about an hour of it again, (laughs) just because I knew we were going to talk about it today. And it's just so good. Mickey Rourke hits this one out of the park. And there are just so many quiet moments. Like there's a scene where he gets out of his car and goes into a store and we follow him the whole way and Mm -hmm. nobody says anything. We're just following this beaten down, tired guy walking. Uh, I love this movie. I don't know what you guys think. It's interesting. This is not his most kinetic movie. It's probably his his least kinetic movie. But it's also uh, like, I mean, it's one of his best because the performances and a a world we don't really look at very much. It's amateur wrestling basically right i mean it's i guess it's pro but it's not it's a pro well was a pro, after right? his glory years yeah, yeah it's you're still on getting the amateur circuit this is the point where they're getting like 25 bucks or something right. to go out and do these wrestling because he's going to like he's working another job he's going and he's like there's that funny scene where he's like hey he's getting the was it the trash can lids or something like that and he's like how do you, how do you think this will yeah, yeah you know this will <laughs> you know, like he's buying all this cheap stuff to play to do and to do in the thing uh but yeah man this is a great movie and i love the ending to this one of the most emotionally powerful endings that you'll see in a movie uh, and it leaves it a little bit like open ended. You don't know whether or not that is going to kill him or not. Right. But he has he's has a heart attack in the movie. Mm-hmm. He's been told you've got to stop, mm-hmm. and he simply can't. He has no other choice. There's mm-hmm. no other way for him to get money. And there there's a lot that's rough to watch in this movie because like he does a match with barbed wire and plenty of shots in the locker room of doctors pulling shit out of his back. Oh yeah, and staples and all that. Yeah, and uh, it's just it's just a rough, hard movie. But in real life, there was a wrestler who's fifty something and saw this movie and came up to Mickey Rourke bawling and hugging him after oh, he wow. saw the film because it was so realistic to what this guy had gone through. I want to say it was like Roddy Piper or somebody like that. It's it's a it's an ugly movie to yeah, to watch. It is, but, but you could totally see the realism of this yeah even if it's not 100 percent real it looks like it could be well this is a sort of the thing that uh the documentary beyond the mat uh delved into and i believe that came out in like 99 mm. 2000 somewhere around there where 
yes, the actual outcome of a wrestling match is predetermined. So there's a lot of fakeness in it, but they're actually getting hurt, yeah. like horribly hurt. Yeah. And to the point of it's, it's, you know, it's, you're talking about concussions. You're talking about barbed wires, getting all these kind of scrapes, getting falling from great distances yeah. and landing off ladders. Yeah. Off ladders and stuff. And beyond the mat sort of showed you like, man, yeah, it's fake, but man, they are taking all the beating of a real match in yeah. these things. And that's where sort of where the wrestler also sort of takes into that uh thing because yeah, it's it's all fake, but yeah, they're getting hurt, man. They're getting yeah. super hurt. Yeah, and that's what this movie's all about. He's been through that and he's still doing it. Yeah. And, oh god, I love this movie so much. I just wanted to bring it up. It's great. Way. Yeah. All right, Barrett, I think it's your turn to throw one out there. Uh okay. There's a couple of amazing comedies. In fact, there's a few amazing comedies yes, that came there out this is. year. Probably my favorite, oh man, I don't know if I could pick a favorite of, of this year, but it would probably be Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, just this this movie hits you out of nowhere on every level, uh, starting from really the, the first bit when they're in the jungle and the director stamps on a landmine. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, once you, once you start that, because it's it's almost like a traditional like powerhouse raucous comedy up until that point. Yeah. And you're like, okay, this is some real shit. And then it goes even further from there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, they walk off. They, they decide to do <laughs> He's not dead. And that was a setup. <laughs> they're talking and walking away. And from way back in the back, <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. Motherfucker, this guy is dead. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's got that little bit of that uh, man who knew too little kind of in yeah. it at the beginning of it because they're sure they're getting filmed. Um, and this also like opens up in a unique way because it's got three fake trailers that yeah. show up. And it, and it was funny because I remember as a projectionist, I was like, what the fuck? Because usually you have some cues that sort of tell you, all right, this is where I need to make the lights go down and all this other type of stuff. And like, I, I would I was building this movie and usually there's like a logo and you have you know okay cool <laughs> this one goes right into yeah. that booty sweat thing yeah. <laughs> and and you're like and, and I was like whoa what the hell and those all three of those trailers are fucking amazing oh yeah there's well I mean I think if you count booty sweat there's four because we get the scorcher trailer yeah and that's then, right uh, gay priest trailer with yeah. Tobey <laughs> Maguire yeah. uh, best kiss winner from we, MTV yeah. awards with, with added context since they were in Wonder Boys and basically the same deal there. <laughs> I've seen Tropic Thunder maybe a dozen times, and I always forget it's Robert Downey Jr. somewhere in the middle there oh, because yeah. the voice and obviously the the face and makeup and the outfit and everything. But I love when he starts to break down like two thirds of the way through, and Al Pacino is just like, "Why are you still doing this Chicken George shit? I do not understand." He's like, "Yeah, I'm messed up." I don't get it either. <laughs> well, and, and speaking of unrecognizable, Tom Cruise uh, yeah. is in this with. Uh, I always loved going into this movie during the credits and watching people and like at the end of it where it was like and Tom Cruise, you'd see some people go, I didn't know that was him. Yeah. yeah. You know, and uh and he's great in this. So yeah. good. Yeah. Like and it's it's so like it's one of the most offensive characters we've ever seen in a movie and and tom cruise is playing it you never <laughs> guess that it would be him he's got these oversized arms and hands and everything and uh the when we first see him he's just like he tells a basically a grip to you know punch steve coogan in the head yeah. really fucking hard <laughs> the guy the goes, does it immediately over here, but, sorry, sorry. <laughs> um but yeah what a great cast and and uh and like in and this 
movie, you know, obviously had a lot of uh, some controversy, too, because even though Robert Downey Jr. is playing a guy who is playing a guy who's putting blackface on and everything, it still got some controversy for that. And and the the fact that uh, he, you know, when you say don't go full retard Mm -hmm. and all other type of that got a big. In fact, now in the. Edited the for edited TV version, version is says, full special. Yeah, don't go full special, which is so stupid because this that is exactly the kind of thing a stuck-up, award-winning actor would say. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's not Robert Downey Jr. or the movie yeah. calling people retards. It's the character yeah, right. casually using the word to describe how he chooses projects Yeah. and how it's a shame because that's a fucking hysterical scene. He's setting him up for like 90 seconds. He was <laughs> like, I saw that blood. You really went for it in that movie, didn't you? He's like, yeah, you know, sometimes I actually felt like I was stupid. <laughs> yeah. Like, like a real moron, huh? <laughs> he's just playing him all yeah. all way i just love it in uh and apparently they were going to go a little bit farther with that character too but uh, brandon jackson who plays al pacino in uh-huh. this, uh was like you know look i understand what we're going for you cannot go that far well and that's interesting that i didn't know that but that just makes his because he's basically the straight man mm-hmm. to Robert Downey Jr.'s character. Mm-hmm. He's the only one calling him on you it. People? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean, you people? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so it almost makes his lines ring even truer to know that uh, somewhere under there he was was a little bothered with where they had wanted to go with it. Well, I think it was I think it was use of the N word and like oh. him being able to say that and because he's you know playing a character and everything and and uh and ben stiller said something like yeah he saved the movie for us we, we we're glad we didn't go that it's way. so the clever song, the jeffersons yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just because so the theme man. song don't make it not true <laughs> fucking ben stiller hit it out of the park mm-hmm. yeah it's his I best mean, movie yeah yeah and i mean similar to like john favreau who would have thought that ben St- somebody like ben stiller who's talented would be able to handle this massive yeah action comedy in the yeah. end this is a huge movie like yeah. it's a, got a lot of stuff in it and everything he apparently was inspired because a lot of his friends would actually go to like actors boot camp to do war movies and stuff. Uh-huh. And they would come back claiming that they had like really went through boot camp and uh-huh. everything. And he was like, this is fucking ridiculous. So that's why he made this movie. Basically. Awesome. He was inspired by that because, his, you know, yeah, you didn't go through boot camp. You didn't go through real boot camp. You think you did. I mean, because you, you had to run a little bit or whatever. Well, but- and it even goes further with. The, uh, Nick Nolte's character, who's the, <laughs> yeah. the the writer of this story and supposedly lived through this true event, has no hands and says shit like, you know, what's the name of your, that gun you got? I don't know what it's called. I just know the sound it makes when it takes a man's life. <laughs> <laughs> and then that comes back around on him perfectly at the end when he's been caught. And what's his name? The explosions guy found out. Oh, that, Danny McBride. Yeah, Danny McBride found out he's got hands. He's like, I don't know. <laughs> I only know the sound it makes when it lies. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and now uh, I would say a comedy that's just as funny, but way more underseen is Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yep. I'm hoping that's the other one you're going to bring yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, this is by far my favorite Jason Siegel anything to watch performance-wise, but everybody in this movie is just so funny, yeah. right? Like, it's got uh, Russell Brandt, yeah. who I had never heard of or seen before this movie. I watched the movie because of what I saw Russell Brand doing in the trailer. Yeah, and it's <laughs> so perfectly aloof, but he actually ultimately is a pretty cool guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, everybody from Jonah Hill, who's kind of in love with that character, and Kristen Bell, and, and 
Paul Rudd is freaking hilarious as this forgetful <laughs> yeah, stoner yeah. and has one of my I spit take lines. That I, one of the only times I actually had a drink in my mouth and spit some out was when he does that line after the, the newlywed couple with the red hair goes back upstairs to fuck some more. And he's like, she's pretty. I wonder if her carpet matches her pubes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'd, I always stop and watch this movie when it's on. It's just fucking hilarious. Yeah, all, it, the, uh, yeah all the bit players are great. Like Jack McBrayer is, is terrific. Mm-hmm. And Mila Kunis, of course, is great. And Paul Rudd. you never seen a Paul Rudd performance like this. Not like quite. As the, the surfer. Canoe, canoe, Kunu? Yeah. Kunu. Yeah. Kunu. Yeah. And Looks he, like it, you got some pain behind those eyes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he says it to the very next person. He They're, says it to him twice in a row. And he's like, yeah, stand up. Don't do, don't, stop doing, you're doing too much. You're doing too, okay, now you're not doing anything at all. Okay. <laughs> you, you don't, uh, just, just, let's go outside, man. Let's, <laughs> let's do whatever. <laughs> this also has those great, like, uh, CSI type things oh in my it God. with Kristen Bell, because <laughs> she's an actress in the movie, and it's, uh. What is it, William Baldwin? I think it's William Baldwin, yeah. I think it's William Baldwin who's uh, playing the David Caruso, basically. And, like, there's so many of those, like, because those shows get away with such filthy <laughs> stuff. And this is a little bit more filthy because it's in an R-rated movie and everything. But just, just you know, like, yeah, it said, said that he came on the dead body after he, after he killed her or whatever. You know, that type <laughs> of thing. You know, it's one of those, I don't know if that line's in there, but it's something like that, you know? <laughs> It's something I came up with in my brain right now that you should be afraid of. Um, but uh, yeah, man, and and the the Hawaiian setting and just the yeah. everything about that just I don't know something puts you at ease during this thing. Mm-hmm. And there's so many little funny things in it, man. Jason Siegel's little Muppet thing, yeah. the vampire <laughs> yeah. Muppets and everything that's fantastic because you hear about it the entire movie. And you, usually when they talk about something like that and then you see it, it's like okay, that wasn't very good or mm. whatever. But this. Like I would have been, I would have loved to watch a movie. Oh hell like that. yeah! And famously, to to help make sure the puppeteering stuff went right, he went to Jim Henson Studios for advice, and that began the relationship that led to him starring in and revitalizing the Muppet yeah. movies. Uh, and that that first one they did with him was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I love the Dracula puppet show at the end. I could I, I could watch the whole thing with the music and everything. It's perfect. Yeah, it's- and by the way, Bill Hader almost steals the show in both this and Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Because in Tropic Thunder, he's the yes man behind Tom Cruise. He's like, the goody room. Yeah. yeah. And in this, he's the friend back home who's trying to give advice. And, and Jason Siegel makes his wife look on the eye chat like she's giving him a BJ. Yeah. It's just so freaking funny. You don't need to put your P in somebody's V right now. Yeah. And then, of course, he goes and he, like, bangs so many chicks and everything. And he's just like, and then there's that one, the one girl who keeps saying hi. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And then the one girl who's just, like, obviously just out of it or whatever. And he's like, she's like, I think it just came. (laughs) (laughs) He just just like looks down at her like. "Eh." (laughs) Um, But yeah, man, what a funny movie. And and that would be a recommend out of this if you haven't seen this, because it's so, so funny. Oh, yeah. Um, One of the better comedies. It should be talked about right up there with Knocked Up and 40 Year Old Virgin. And it's just not because not not as many people saw it. And that's just a crime. Yeah. And and it is an Apatow produced uh, movie, but uh, it was Nicholas Stoller who directed this one. And I guess because it didn't really I mean, Apatow, even at this point, it may have been already 
sort of coming down in people's eyes as like a you know because he was it was like every movie had apatow on it yeah. at this mm. point and then you started the beginning to wonder what does that really mean you know does it really does it mean we're gonna see something really funny at the time yes but it, that movie just kind of like yeah it just slipped through the cracks somehow and yeah. i don't know what it was bad release date it was i think it was april mm. it came out it, it wasn't really the best time for it i don't it think it might also just have been that jason siegel wasn't seen as a leading man mm-hmm. at that point even though he carries this film fine but he'd been seen more as a supporting comedy player and stuff like knocked up um but yeah it's one of my favorite comedies of probably the last 20 years um another big comedy that came out with Step Brothers, another yeah. uh movie now I'm I I like this I like this movie. This is Will Ferrell and John C. Riley and the, and the, and their perfect comic team really and everything in this. Uh, and it's got a lot of great. Mo- Richard Jenkins is great yep. in this. Mary Steenburgen mm-hmm. is good in this. You have uh, Adam Scott is is mm-hmm. funny in this. It's got a lot of great moments. I in haven't it. had a carb in four years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the seeing John C. Riley and Will Ferrell, who are just basically dumb and dumber as stepbrothers, mm-hmm. basically is what it is. Yeah, uh, and they must like working together. Um, we're going to get a comic sherlock holmes from them in the next year or oh two. and that's gonna be great i think it probably will be I, I it's it's one of those duos that i don't think i'll get sick of even mm. even if the not all the movies are up to par just those two playing off each other and they've done it in so many different ways different characterizations uh this just always cracks me up yeah and uh once again reuniting with adam mckay who's you know generally does pretty good work with will ferrell they they know each other they've yeah. been in a, they've done stuff forever at this point yeah um and uh but it uh, is it, it, this is probably the most it's weird saying it because of like talladega nights and anchorman and all that stuff this is probably the most broad like just screwball humor yeah i love it man yeah i, yeah. I can watch it anytime it comes on any even when it gets to like the the catalina wine mixer or whatever it is at yeah. the end where they're trying to like sell their their uh their company and it's mm-hmm. prestige worldwide yeah you know and they keep flashing up things that like we do uh catering research development and you know they put a lot of work <laughs> yeah well that's <laughs> the thing just immediately dismissed that's the thing it's a really good emotional payoff in that movie because they are such fuck-ups the yeah. entire time and then when they get to that there you realize whoa they really did take all this stuff seriously because yeah. you see a montage of them going through all this like they're reading books and they're yeah. doing all this you're like okay what is you know what are they really doing but uh but you know it's like whoa they really actually put a lot of work into mm-hmm. this um Catherine Hahn is mm-hmm. fantastic oh movie. yeah yeah oh yeah it has it, she's like in love with John C Riley in this movie and she's married to Adam Scott and there's a part where she like kisses John C Riley in the men's bathroom <laughs> and it's just it's an insane scene she kisses him <laughs> goes over to the urinal hikes her leg up and oh just my God. pees I forgot about that <laughs> <laughs> and i'm just those that's the type of stuff i love it so goes there and it's one of those type of things i love it great uh what else guys well let's just stay on comedy because there's at least a couple more we're mentioning Mm -hmm. i think role models came out in 2000 i love Mm -hmm. role models this is sean william scott um paul rudd again paul rudd again and uh one of the largest amounts of screen time yet devoted to larping yes um (laughs) and uh it's mclovin isn't it it is Uh, christopher mince plus um and uh I, i've only seen this once or twice but i remember laughing really hard particularly at the super foul mouth kid that's yeah. sean william scott who keeps threatening him the whole movie um but really really funny stuff jane lynch yeah, jane, yeah. Lynch, jane lynch who steals this entire movie yes, easily does. um so so good because she's 
you know, she's she's this character. As soon as she's introduced, she's like, she's like, I don't I don't like being bullshitted, guys. <laughs> you know, and and just like just very no. But, she, you know, she'll she goes through all the, the her backstory. <laughs> is so funny man and she just casually casually says it you know (laughs) it's like uh she goes she goes my dad was a drinker and my mom by necessity was a whore (laughs) (laughs) and uh goes through all that and she's yeah she's this no-nonsense person but man oh man she steals it so much i also love this line i would always go in and watch this movie because at this part because i was like Please, someone be with me and laugh at this because nobody ever laughed at it. But there's that big scene where Sean William Scott and the girl that he goes, they go to that camp or whatever. Uh-huh. And she says, oh, I'm willing to cheat on my boyfriend now because there's a mileage rule and all this other type of stuff. So, like, they take all these drugs and everything. Yeah, and like, ambient. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and so like the next morning he's just out in the middle of, he's like just naked, just like outside of his tent. And David Wayne, who's the director of this movie has a little small part in it. There's like a group of people just observing him on the ground. And he's just like, well, that's a case of, uh, guy on the ground. (laughs) 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 And I would, I would go in and watch this and I would be like, please be loud laughter. And no one would just, no one would get it or something. I don't know what it is. Maybe they just know what he said. I don't know. But, um, that, oh man, I do. I love role models. That, that Jane Lynch scenes, or those those final scenes where she's got the bagel dog. Oh and she's yeah, just like yeah, doing yeah. The, the thing where it's spoken. I was like, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> kill me for whatever reason. Oh yeah, that's oh, great. Um, I think the other comedy that you guys were talking about was Pineapple Express. Yeah, another. This is, I mean, Apatow really was like a like huge and like nearly all these movies except for role models and um tropic thunder was step brothers forgetting sarah marshall and this Jesus. all had apatow attached to wow it. um but uh pineapple express i think is a is just a bit too long and too violent it is and, alarmingly violent yeah it's 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 just it never gets quite to that stoner like kind of comedy that you really want i don't think even though it's Got some funny moments in it. I can't. I, I I agree with you completely. It's just it's a, a little below the ones we've been talking about. But when they try and kick out that police cruiser window and his <laughs> foot gets stuck in the middle of the glass, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the first time I saw that, I was so shocked in hilarity. I almost cried laughing. I just thought, <laughs> but you're right. I think a lot of the comedy falls a little flatter. And I think it's because it's trying to be, this is one of those movies that w- wants to be both a serious action movie and a serious stoner comedy. Mm-hmm. And those don't often mesh very well. can't think of any off the top of my head that are like, oh, yeah, it's got like, like if you just gave Jason Bourne a bunch of weed (laughs) and he was cracking stupid jokes the whole time. That's kind of what this is. And Danny McBride is unkillable in this movie. (laughs) Um, But there's lots to enjoy. Uh, I wouldn't call it bad at all, uh, but just not one I would go back to ahead of the others. Um, Yeah. And and really the funniest part for me is one very small moment with Gary Cole where he he's, he's looking at this giant knife and he's talking to uh, Rosie Perez, and he's like, "Has anybody seen my bigger knife?" <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite part of that movie, and it's just that. <laughs> well, I 
Craig Robinson gets in some great lines. Yeah, he does. Uh, and at the very end, when the guy shoots his ear off, oh, and Seth yeah. Rogen does. <laughs> yeah. It's like he's genuinely crying and like upset that they would do this. And Seth Rogen is like holding his ear, and he's like, "Let go of me! Let go of me!" <laughs> he's on the other side of the room. <laughs> I can love that. Um, and now I just looked it up, and Apatow didn't wasn't a part of tropic thunder i thought he was because he he and ben stiller had a long relationship so i just assumed that like you know mm. he did it but the other three that i talked about definitely mm. it's a good year yeah uh what else guys well let's go let's go far away from comedy now let's i like jumping all the way on the other end of the spectrum did you guys see doubt i did yeah. um philip seymour hoffman meryl street once again amazing amy mm. adams what's that yeah, once again amazing he is it's much more restrained mm. philip seymour hoffman um and Viola Davis, I think, steals this movie yeah, in she one does. scene. Um, and the end kills me. Yeah. Now, this is based on a stage play, so it makes sense that this is an actor's piece. And everyone shines. Mm -hmm. Everyone is playing their role perfectly. Even Meryl Streep, who's ostensibly the villain here, you, she's still doing what she thinks is right. right. She's still... And this is sort of examining a priest that may or may not be developing an inappropriate relationship with one of the altar boys. Um and maybe it's just my upbringing as a preacher's kid that that drew me so much to this. Like, I was pulled in completely. And the movie, I'll tell you right now, never tells you whether mm -hmm. or not he did it. And I, it's for the well, movies better. in fact, it, it's, it's to the movie's title that yeah, yeah. this is why it's such a good drama. Because, yeah, if they did tell you outright, then there would be no doubt. Uh, but, like, yeah, it's an actor's piece. It's yeah. one of those things where you just sit down, you plop down, and you just watch it and just get mesmerized by some actors because mm -hmm. that's what it is. And it's the very best that we have. Yeah, and they're just all hitting it out of the park. I'm pretty sure most of them were nominated. Um, yeah, um, nominated for five Oscars. I know Viola Davis was because she got it for I that very Meryl small. Meryl Streep was. Well, yeah, Meryl Streep always is. Philip Seymour Hoffman, Amy Adams, Viola Davis. Yeah, and then the writing by John Patrick Shanley. Yeah, I just um, watched that Viola Davis scene again today before I came down here just to remind myself how great she is because mm. she's not really in any other scenes of the movie, maybe one or two other small ones. And you know she's not saying anything you or Meryl Streep are expecting her to say. She's kind of playing this the exact opposite of what you think, but she's so emotional and so real in that moment. God, I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and and it's actually one of the later Meryl Streep uh, performances that I really like. Like mm -hmm. a lot of times, yeah, she's a legend, and and we just let everything skate by. She's good and everything or whatever. Mm -hmm. This is the last one that I really remembered, uh, other than Devil Wears Prada and stuff like that, where mm. she's very showy and everything. Um, but uh, but a lot of these movies, sometimes I don't even watch the movie because the yeah. subject doesn't interest me. And and then when I do see her, it's like, okay, she's perfectly good in that. Yeah, you know, I think it's beneath her this this material, but whatever. But yeah, she's amazing in this, really good. Mm -hmm. uh, so another big one that came out in two thousand eight. Wally. Yeah. Wally. <laughs> the balls on this movie. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. To open with no dialogue for as long as it goes, trusting that kids could handle it. And it's only because the character design and vocal inflections on Wally are just perfect and mm -hmm. adorable, and he just draws you right in. Mm -hmm. But there's not, never been anything like this in a kid's movie before. Yeah, right no, I don't think so. Oh, man. I love it so much. I, I don't like the end half as much as i like the beginning i like the whole a whole lot mm. but i could watch those first 20 minutes 
any day of the week. Yeah, I'm the same here. It's 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 like actually an achievement in filmmaking during that first you know 20 minutes. Um, and it tells its story pretty well. I, I the scene that I love the most in that first 20 minutes is him uh, starting to like you know shudder and everything, and his his belt's getting worn and everything. Yeah. And he looks at the cockroach, and he looks down at another belt from an old model of his, uh, you know, like a brother of his or mm. whatever. And, and like the next scene, you just see him scoot, scooting along yeah. with a brand new belt on and everything. And he just looks back at the cockroach, and it's like, you know, <laughs> and they just, they just go about their way. It's like, yeah. that's how I handle that. Yeah. You know? Um, the animation in this is shockingly amazing oh it's so good i think i think it takes it up another level from from where it was at before yeah i think yeah, which right. was was amazing too but the um, attention to detail in this is amazing and my my favorite scene in this is the the whole space dance that he and mm. Eve oh, do. the music is so incredible the music is amazing that was uh thomas newman i think yeah right? yeah, yeah uh and then but the the spray that comes off of the the fire extinguisher yeah. Is so goddamn realistic. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, it is. Uh, man, I love this. I, this is one of this is up there with Pixar's best for me. I would agree. I think it's in the top three or four, probably. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> it's just uh, it's just a fun adventure. I love the 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 poking Disney does at our you know food crazed yeah. consumption mm -hmm. crazed lazy society to where their bones are too small for them to even freaking walk anymore. Yeah. Well, they actually thought about what would we be like it in a ship with nothing to do but really get everything we want on demand yeah. mm -hmm. and uh and being and you see all these people they're just like ported around on like little like chairs and stuff yeah. and they've got everything they need they got their tv they got their little drink holder they got and they got things coming over and selling them stuff it's just like you know you know that's all you that's that's your life man mm -hmm. and and you see all these people they don't even meet other people really yeah. until like you know there's hijinks later but um but yeah the the ending of this sort of knocks it down a little bit it never like quite reaches what that beginning promises and everything but yeah i can forgive that get your mm -hmm. step to uh centennial cupcake <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah this is that continuing stretch where pixar is amazing and i uh i don't know when the Pixar, like Disney and Pixar had their like next contract negotiation. It, it was somewhere around here, I think. Hmm. Uh, and that's where they started saying, all right, we're going to be doing Cars 2 and we're going to be doing Toy Story 3 and hmm. we're going to, you know, everything was a sequel and everything. Because there was a point where Pixar was about to break off from Disney. And I, I think they both need each other but they also I think Pixar lost a lot in translation after that contract. Well, they did. Uh, but it it hasn't been a net negative because Disney Animation's been cranking out better stuff since Lasseter got in charge of all of it, mm -hmm. like Wreck-It Ralph and Frozen, and this mm -hmm. Moana looks like it's fantastic. Uh, but Pixar's efforts themselves uh, do occasionally seem to stumble or suffer because of it. And I've always thought, though, that the reason why Disney's animation wing without Pixar was doing so well was because Lasseter was giving them the better stories. Maybe. Because Big Hero 6 would have been a Pixar movie. Sure. I mean, there's so many, There's, I mean, maybe I'm saying that more in the line of if they, if they didn't start their own, cause they started their own thing just because they thought Pixar was leaving and their movies that they were coming out with at the time were not good. Right. You know, it was like Chicken Little and, uh, what was the other one? Uh, Meet the Robinsons. Yeah. And stuff like that. And they were very low rent type of, you know, cartoons. 
And then Laster gets a part of it, and suddenly it's like, you know, they do Princess and Frog, which is not their, like, it's not a computer. It's the, they're trying to go back to traditional animation right. with that one. But uh, then you start getting Wreck-It Ralph, and you start yeah. getting, and all of a sudden, suddenly they were good. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I felt like these movies would have been Pixar movies, but they wouldn't have been, obviously, because if Pixar broke off those stories would have never gotten to pixar probably yeah yeah no you're um, right so it, it's an interesting thing to sort i hope one day we get to see a documentary about that you know like how that all went down yeah. and i would love to know and i never will but just how much of these sequels have like pure cash behind them right because like mm. I, I watched finding dory the other night mm-hmm Made a shit ton of cash. People seem to really like Number it. Number one movie of this year. I was very excited because I love Finding Nemo, and I did not like Finding Dory at mm. all. And I even suggested to Chris, we might be able to get Couch Tomato in here to do some kind of a comparison bonus round of the first Finding Nemo because there's so many beats and emotional moments that it's just it's just copying from the first one. Yeah. And so now I'm starting to worry about Incredibles 2 because even though Brad Bird is back, a Brad Bird made Tomorrowland, which wasn't very good, <laughs> and B how much how much control does he really even have? Like they would have made this without him if they if they wanted. It's to. a good yeah. question. Yeah. It's a good anyway. question. I mean, yeah, it's uh, we. Uh, I will I will withhold my opinion of Finding Dory. I have seen the movie twice now, but mm. um, but I will withhold my uh, opinion of that movie until we come out with a sins video for it, which will be coming soon. Okay. Um, I wonder if he liked it, Barrett. I but, don't know. <laughs> um, uh, let's see what else. Okay, got to talk about two terrible stinkers that were in the top ten of two thousand eight. Slumdog Millionaire. <laughs> we'll get to that obviously. <laughs> um, number one is Twilight. <laughs> uh, a terrible stinker indeed this uh uh okay so this movie is horrible and i think most people who have read the books who i don't know aren't teenage girls or whatever <laughs> think it's terrible too uh although i've i've heard some pretty good like explanations as to why that series is so popular like like because it it's a sort of a fantasy like a plain girl like getting the hottest guy in class and everything mm. Can you see how that might like be an attractive thing for a lot of yeah. people who, you know, maybe don't consider themselves attractive or whatever. Mm. But anyway, beyond that subtext, these movies are fucking terrible. <laughs> and uh, and so, yeah, it started off a whole thing. And it actually like after a while, like was getting I think it was beating Harry Potter and opening weekend. Oh, really? Stuff, like for the year or whatever. Like I don't it was at least rivaling it. Like it just didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. It was whatever. But um twilight's the best one of that bunch and well, it's not a good movie were you team edward or team jacob uh team edward okay cool i'm yeah. team bella yeah <laughs> yeah i would be nice. more team bella actually if you gave me the the chance to and do probably that. one of the most egregious uh examples of overlamping a bedroom set <laughs> because bella's bedroom has like 25 lamps in it wait a minute i'm not team bella i'm team anna kendrick She's oh. she's the special one. I forgot yeah. she was even in that movie. Yeah. She's the special one. Yeah. Why are we lusting after Bella when there's Anna Kendrick right next That's to That's an excellent point. Why not both? We could lust after both. Okay, sure. Uh, Settled. <laughs> another horrible, horrible movie that was somehow in the top three box office. Uh-oh. Indiana Jones oh, and the Kingdom God. of the Crystal Ooh. Skull. You want to talk about a movie that pissed me off. It's this one. Mm-hmm. And... It, there are plenty of there are plenty of signs as I'm watching it like uh oh 
Mm-hmm. But there was still enough that I was like, okay, okay. And then mm-hmm. it's goddamn fucking aliens. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goddamn aliens. And mainly because of Lucas. Uh, Lucas wanted to make this. I think they had uh, uh, had a Frank Darabont script at one time that everybody liked. And then Lucas came in because he's the power mm. in this franchise. Said, nope, nope. We need to do something with aliens. Man. And then basically Spielberg said, all right, you're my friend. We'll do something with fucking aliens. And I won't like it, but here we go. And that's you can see it on the you screen. Can. You, can. you can see that on the screen. There's no heart to this thing at all. No, it doesn't squander all of the goodwill that was you know, built up from the first three no. movies. I don't think you could ever do that, really. You can't, but it's aggressively horrible. Yes, it is. Um, there's there's not really any redeeming qualities. Shia is now starting to get into annoying Shia. Yeah. Um, the effects are weirdly awful. They are. Uh, the stunts are just over the top and silly. There's all those cracks about his age. There's the fucking nuke refrigerator, which is yeah. just the most egregious thing to happen and the multiple movies. reaction shots of the gophers yeah yeah yeah, yeah. they ha- always had to have those right yeah, they, yeah this is one of those movies yeah where the effects like somehow like entreat on yeah, yeah. something i don't know what it is I, I, one day i'll come up with an explanation for what i feel during these things independence day last independence day two came out mm. had this problem with the effects uh where there is just some weird weird disconnect mm-hmm. like i can't like I can't, I can't believe they allowed that. Yeah, that's how bad it is. Yeah, it's when you're watching this, don't you say, "Man, this just looks horrible." We can't, we can't publish this. We yeah, can't. how does it get past their QC? Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and it, and it's and it goes back to the time thing. We always talking about time, and I think Dark Knight Rises when we talked about that earlier is another thing. You know, uh, Heath Ledger dies. We have to ch- scrap all the things we were going to do, but we still have to hit that 2012 yep. release date. Yep. <laughs> and uh and it and that's what you get when it happens and independence day was no different oh my god but anyway yeah horrible effects horrible everything uh another movie i don't think is uh I don't, does, do you like hancock at all uh i'm kind of indifferent to it i like jason bateman yeah. uh i i love Charlize theron yeah and it almost seems like it, it was a missed opportunity for will smith to really go over the top mm-hmm. and he does he doesn't get there to me is like a bad superhero um so i don't know i mean it, it's it's watchable but it's certainly not a great movie i don't think it's just took too hard a left turn i think the first hour has plenty of promise so the idea of will smith as a drinking grouchy not kind superhero almost reluctantly having to improve his image mm. there's gold in that concept and then they they just veer completely away from it and go with this uh she's his sister former lover whatever the fuck alien thing right and i just lose all interest this is Mm -hmm. one of those movies where the premise sort of backs itself into a corner because what we want to see is will smith the drunk superhero yeah but you don't ever want to see him lose that but that's part of the movie is is him becoming a more respectable superhero Mm. And I feel like you lose a lot in translation. It backs itself in the corner because you really need to sort of find a way to uh, make it where he's always that. Mm. And uh, they've planned sequels forever. I don't know if they'll ever, ever come out. I think they lost too much money. Um, Did they? I think it was expected to be one of the biggest hits of the summer. I know that it was fourth this year and it made $624 worldwide. Okay, then. 
Um, so it made money and they had sequels planned, but I don't, I mean, obviously Will Smith costs a lot. That's yeah. uh, that's one of the big things about these movies, but, um, but yeah, I'm sure every movie would have started off with him like being drunk again and being horrible <laughs> and all that other stuff, even though at the end of the last movie, he's somewhat respectable. You know, it's funny how movies do that, but, um, I do like when they almost take a, a chapter out of the mall rats playbook because when he's having sex with that, that normal woman, <laughs> he climaxes, yeah. he's putting holes yeah, in the hole yeah. on the ceiling and everything. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah. yeah, I mean, you, you kind of expect that. Yeah. Uh, what else guys? Well, let's talk Slumdog Millionaire let's for a minute. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. It's there. It's, it's a two hour long music video for MIA's Paper Planes. Okay. Okay. I would call it a movie of the week movie. Yeah. Um. It it has a little bit of heart. Um. A lot of unbelievable bullshit. Yeah. Uh. And I forget about it almost as soon as I'm done watching it. I I don't I think I like this movie better than you. Um. And and I I I know it's it is totally fucking unbelievable. Like this movie is one of those where you're just like fuck you (laughs) but all during the time that i'm saying that i'm like actually enjoying it because it is so unbelievable and it sort of wrestles that that topic pretty well like like it's a what if scenario that's got a one in a billion chance of happening but here it is well that's probably because it's danny boyle like the, Mm -hmm. the charm that he brings to that movie which is otherwise i agree like kind of a a silly premise uh, that's that's easily forgettable, but because of and the colors in this are amazing and the the actors are great um, and and of course the the music in there, including MIA's thing, is, is a lot of fun and the J Ho thing at the the very end that Bollywood style yeah. uh, dance and number and everything. But I think I think it's him elevating this to where it won the best picture. Yeah, it was best picture. Um, best picture to where otherwise like another director would probably make this a completely forgettable movie yeah and and it introduced us to def patel who's mm. a very likable actor and everything frida pinto who's yeah, gorgeous both good uh, yeah and very good in this um but uh but yeah if you if you can't swallow that bullshit then this movie is just gonna like you're just you're gonna be wallowing in it yeah. by the end of well it. and the movie tips you off early to that when he falls into the bottom of the outhouse <laughs> yeah so <laughs> yep that's true that's a rough scene uh also gran torino yeah talk about some controversy i mean this is glenn eastwood's like this is where he was just like, fuck it, man. I'm ready to just like, I'm going to give every racial slur and everything in this. This is get off my lawn. Yeah, yeah. This is all that, but a great movie. This oh, is yeah. a fun. Fantastic acting. Yeah, absolutely. It almost makes me miss Eastwood the actor, um, which I haven't felt that in a long time, maybe mm-hmm. since Unforgiven. Um, and blood work, of course. Yes, of course, <laughs> blood work. We can't forget that. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, he's trading on that character. I mean, he's basically going back to that kind of reserved, uh, unforgiven type of, like, you know, gnarly... Um, bastard? Gnarly bastard, yes. Yes. I read an article today where Tom Hanks was talking about working with Clint Eastwood on Sully and how... And he, and he says, basically, you know, just like with horses, you can't yell at horses or you won't you won't get them to do what you want. And and Eastwood doesn't yell at his actors. The headline in the article, Tom Hanks says Clint Eastwood t- treats actors like horses. Oh, my, oh God. my God. Are you serious? Yeah. Dead serious. Come on. That's Jesus the world Christ. we live in. Fucking clickbait, man. Wow. Come on. Awesome. Okay. So also uh, in 2008, 
The Coen Brothers came out with a movie that I think is close to rivaling The Big Lebowski as far as getting a cult status, and that's Burn After Reading. Yep. I love this movie. Yeah, I do too. And when I first watched it, uh, I, I was having a really hard time understanding what was going on. It's one of those movies that sort of you have to watch it a couple yeah. of times because there's so many characters and so many of them interacting with each other. Yeah. But once you once you watch this movie a few times, you just like you just get down with it. It's so good. So many great at Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt is in. This is like the fun he was having in True Romance yep. with yeah. this character right here fitness nut with not a brain at all <laughs> but excited as fuck about everything yeah yeah, yeah. oh man he's so manic I love, he's the reason i like this movie and i didn't watch it for so long because it didn't really have like the best reputation when it came out mm -hmm. um and i remember feeling like people were putting it along with intolerable cruelty or something where and then i finally watched it and i was like this is fucking funny oh like, yeah what, totally. what are people what's their problem oh it's hilarious i mean malkovich george clooney is just this sex obsessed yeah. uh, State Department guy that works it into his character just perfectly. Yeah, like it's it's hilarious. Uh, and uh, man, Francis McDormand, like all these characters, J.K. Simmons comes oh in as the CIA director yeah. and has these great lines at the end where he's like, "Well, what have we learned? <laughs> <laughs> well, nothing. All right, don't do yeah, that again." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and there's, uh, I mean, it, this movie has one of the most creative ways of using curse words mm -hmm. like because it's pervasive this has got to be one of like the all-time cursiest movies but like you know you've got brad pitt when he calls into john malkovich is like hey are you concerned about the security of your shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah and he goes crazy and everything and then the other part after the the big crux of the the movie happens and clooney's just reacting in horror and he's like oh my fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love it, man. Yeah, it's 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 sort of the same sort of thing that that happened with the Big Lebowski. It's yeah. almost the same sort of almost, you know, like 10 years later, like so in 96 they came out with Fargo, got best picture, best director, all that, got all those awards. Big Lebowski comes out, does nothing at the box office. It has to hit video before it gets the huge cult following that it got uh this is the same thing no country for old men yeah when best picture when best all this but burn after reading comes out a year after yeah and it just doesn't get the same kind of deal and nobody gave it a chance and uh now i think it's starting it's not going to be quite lebowski levels but it, sh it should be up there i think this movie is very underseen it is definitely it is. how do you guys feel about the lebowski spinoff prequel thing they're doing with john Turturro? uh I mean, if it if it's got the Coens involved with it, I'll, I'll watch it. I'm sure. I honestly don't know if it does or not. I just saw a picture of him in costume on the first day of filming. Yeah, like, if what? it does, if it doesn't have Coens involved, then I I don't. I, I mean, I'll give it a chance, obviously. But I mean, I, I'd also rather follow John Goodman's character on a oh, yeah. <laughs> spinoff than Tatura. Walter Sobchak. Yeah. God, he's so funny in that movie. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to talk about Eat Man for about thirty seconds. Okay. Oh, yeah. And I my, haven't seen this. This was my boy Donnie Yen. Uh, he's in the uh, upcoming Rogue One as the mm. blind Jedi guy you've seen in the trailer. Martial arts expert. He's in Iron Monkey, which is where I've discovered him. Uh, but Eat Man tells the story of the man who would go on to train Bruce Lee in real life. And uh, basically, him versus everyone evil in the entire town leads to five or six amazing set pieces. I think my favorite Eat Man fight is in the second movie. So we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. Uh and I talked about this movie before where he uses a feather duster to yeah. fight off this guy that's got a giant sword. Um, I just love it. It's got charm. The choreography is killer. 
Uh, if you're a fan of the movies like The Raid or The Raid 2, uh, I, I think you're going to see a lot that impresses you in Eat Man if you've never seen it. should be on Netflix. was for years and years and years. Yeah. If not, call me. I'll loan you my DVD. <laughs> I recently got the uh, trilogy on Blu-ray. I just haven't been able to pop it open and watch it yet. Yeah, um, I think you'll enjoy it when you do, but it's not the kind of thing you should be like racing to do. Mm-hmm. It's not going to change your world but you are gonna i think you will be impressed with donnie yet. yeah well i like a good action movie so yeah and i did watch that scene because i think you sent it to us after we were talking about that feather duster scene and that was incredible like even as well as you described it you can't really put that into words no. like you should definitely at least watch that youtube and clip. then that other scene from the second movie i sent yeah. you where he punches that dude in the face like 90 times <laughs> god it's so yeah. fucking awesome <laughs> Great. A movie that's definitely on that level is taken. Um, <laughs> this sort of uh, this was a. I mean, this is an important movie in a way, though, because this introduced us to the sort of the aging badass mm-hmm. that Liam Neeson is in this and everything. Of course, you know the the husky voice on the on the telephone. I've got a certain particular set of skills and all that. Yeah is what really leads to this movie's like you know fame and everything of course it's has spawned two horrible sequels yep. after this well and other movies like unknown and like yeah. almost every movie he makes at this point is taken yeah it's him and yeah it's taken on like yeah the um the what was the flight movie the gray the no well the gray was him in the it was taken in the yeah, wilderness yeah. Even though it really wasn't, didn't have much to do with taking. It was just like, uh, you know, it's him being a badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, you're talking about the one where he's an air marshal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember what that's called. <laughs> Nonstop. <laughs> Nonstop. We, we did a Sims video. I don't even remember the movie. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Nonstop is like that. You know, he's just, it's all him being just a badass. And like, he's like got this, you know, uncanny ability to just beat everybody's ass even (laughs) though he's like 60 years old and everything um but yeah i mean taken was a surprise hit it came out in january of that year and uh and it's a it's a wasteland for movies most times you know they can't they don't really you can't really you know schedule anything there and something take off but that one did and it Mm. you know sort of um you know prove to people hey we can do we can do january occasionally we can do a good movie um in a hold on a second fucking taken came out in 2009 even though it says 2008 it didn't come out here until 2009 now technically if you're in another country yeah i think we came out no we've done that i just want to say that again we have another movie that came out technically in 2009 here but everywhere else just about it came out in 2008 um so I, I I I mean it still stands as a 2008 movie. Mm-hmm. It's not like the ones where we see it's a festival and all yeah, that yeah, yeah. and whatever. But um, but it did come out in January. Anyway, going to Cloverfield. Now. Yeah, Cloverfield is another. You know, now this one technically came out before Paranormal Activity. Mm-hmm. Um, even though we talked about that as a 2007 movie, right. it would later come out in 2009 for most of us. Uh, Cloverfield really sort of, I believe, started to set off this found footage thing. Yeah. Um, and then Paranormal Activity was just sort of a continuation of that. It was a really clever use of it. Yeah, it was. I thought I thought this was a great concept, and I loved the movie, actually. But putting that in a world-ending crisis where you can only see how this crisis affects you from your perspective or from mm-hmm. HUD's perspective— and putting it in New York and everything, yeah, there were a lot of things that were over the top and silly and that kind of thing. But I think it was a cool use in that genre. Yeah. Well, and just like 
the other successes in the found footage genre, like Blair Witch, it had an incredible marketing campaign. Yes, it did. Yeah. That did all this viral weirdness online to the point where we didn't know what that movie was, but we'd seen enough cool marketing, we were going to go watch that movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, famously had an attached trailer on Transformers, which um, didn't show what the title was or anything. Oh, it was just the Bad Robot logo, wasn't it, that it, came up at the beginning? It. Uh, I don't remember exactly what it it may have been bad robot logo and then maybe it showed a little bit actually it was just the party oh really? it was just everybody talking at the party and everything and and then at the end it's like this is going to be the best party ever and it just cuts off and you're like what the fuck was that and then later on they came out with the trailers that showed uh. that it was a big monster movie and everything when that monster shows up it is amazing i think yeah. like it's you know, like they're seeing like buildings blow up way far away, but they see debris start coming towards them. Yeah. I think that's the most effective part in the, of the whole movie. I start to get a little bit sick of it that they're carrying this camera around mm -hmm. because HUD isn't, he's not, and it's TJ Miller. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's not, uh, he was tasked to go around and shoot the party and everything, but I feel like once all the shit goes down, that's when he's just like, fuck the camera yeah. or whatever. <laughs> Thank God for us that yeah. he shot the movie so that we could see it. But um, I start getting tired of all the stuff where they're like, can't show anything because he's like ducking around yeah. corners and all that. And it's it's the whole like, let's keep the monster hidden and keep your imagination. I understand that. Uh, but I get tired of it after a while. I think the most ridiculous thing to me in the whole movie is the skyscraper that falls leaning on the other one and that's how they get across to <laughs> yeah. save this girl i just i that's where i check out yeah uh but uh i i, I overall yes i love i love cloverfield now of course they made the not a sequel yeah, yeah. that wasn't ever supposed to be a sequel 10 cloverfield lane uh and now it's going to be a universe yeah yeah yeah, yeah. everything's a universe now that's yep. right all right guys what else um all right well I'll, i i liked uh two animated movies uh that i don't know if you guys like kung fu panda and horton hears a who yeah all right so i do like kung fu panda quite a bit and horton hears a who i've only seen the one time um and yeah i don't i don't love either of them so much that i'd be like please go watch this but i do think kung fu panda is about the best fit jack black's ever gonna have for like an animated movie. oh yeah he's perfect as poe uh, and his humor and personality come through in just the right way. I don't need any of the sequel bullshit that comes later. Uh, but that first one, I think, is a really charming, self-contained, fun adventure. Mm -hmm. I agree. I really enjoyed it. And uh, it's one of those weird cases of a movie making a lot of money. And the sequel not really taking a lot of time to come out. But this, nobody... I mean, the sequel made money. Yeah. But it wasn't the smash that the first one was. And it's weird because everybody loved that first one. It's like How to Train Your Dragon. Same thing same, happened there. Same deal. Yeah. Well, it's almost like DreamWorks is doing something wrong with their sequels to hit animated originals. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm mm -hmm. not sure either. And it was the first time I really felt great about a DreamWorks movie, too. Yeah. yeah. Kung Fu Panda was the first time I felt like they actually did something without like let's see how many uh pop culture references yeah. we can stick into this thing and and uh and for the adults and everything they, they, this is really a really fun movie uh and i and i love the i mean uh, there's a lot of great voices in here mm -hmm. jack black angelina jolie jackie chan dustin, uh, hoffman. dustin hoffman is amazing <laughs> in it um but uh yeah really fun uh and horton here's it like i said i've only seen it the one time i remember enjoying it though yeah yeah and it's uh michael scott whose name i always forget 
Steve Carell. Steve Carell. Steve Carell. And Jim Carrey are the two main voices in this. Uh, again, really charming adaptation of a Dr. Seuss book that I loved as a kid. Might be why I like the movie a little bit more than everybody else. But mm -hmm. uh, I remember thinking, well, Jim Carrey did a really good job there. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you guys think of Valkyrie? I never saw it. I never saw it. It didn't get very good reviews. Um, I actually like this movie. Um, it is a Brian Singer yeah. uh, with Christopher McQuarrie. It's sort of a, a reteam of Usual Suspects. Um, Tom Cruise plays the you know a guy who's going to try to kill Hitler. Oh. And uh, now it's not great. It's mm. not going to change your life when you watch it or anything. Um, but I but I do really like. There's a huge cast in this. Uh, Kenneth Branagh's in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, we got one in. We got a, we got a <laughs> Kenneth Branagh reference in. Um, but a huge cast full of and 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 it's just interesting to see them. How are they planning to kill this guy who's essentially untouchable? And it's very suspenseful. There's uh, the scene, the, the scene in question, because because we know that Hitler didn't get assassinated. I can tell you that you know it's a failed attempt. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, I saw Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> That's right. He got shot up in that theater. Um, but like, uh, it's very suspenseful because. Yeah, you can't do this and miss, mm. or else it's you know you're you're in te terrible danger, and everybody who helped you do it is in terrible danger, and it it all involves basically a bomb in a box at a at a table where he's talking and everything, and if they if they you know don't you know it's so it's one of those where you're just letting them go. What's going to happen? What's mm. going to happen? And everything. I really enjoyed it, and I think that it, it, at you know at least it should be given a little bit more uh, thought if you've never seen it before. Yeah, I have to check it out. Uh, what else? How about Yes Man? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Jim Carrey had a decent year. Not yeah. one of his best, but almost a return to form. Yeah, definitely. Horton, and then the Yes Man brought back the team behind Bruce Almighty uh, and comes close in some moments to recapturing that magic. Doesn't succeed as a whole. Mm -hmm. uh, most memorable to me for that scene where he's pulled an all-nighter and he gets out of the car and like 20 <laughs> Red Bulls come flying yeah. out and he's talking so fast and it's very funny. Um, Zoe Deschanel's in this. Uh -huh. uh, she's very charming. Uh, this, I think, was before her TV show had started mm -hmm. or right around that time. Bradley Cooper's in this as mm -hmm. one of the asshole friends uh i think it's fun i think it's charming and enjoyable it's, it's just not great yeah this is classic yeah. uh, jim carrey high concept uh, type of movie perfect vehicle for him um uh, at this point though he's not in the 90s and he's not the star he was and everything uh but the 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 very idea that you would say yes to everything and never say no yeah and everything of course leads to all these you know fun little scenarios and everything and i think it, at the very least the scenario itself is fun to watch it is it's a little liar liar reminiscent in it that is regard. yeah uh, because he's made in liar liar it's somebody else's wish he really can't do anything and here he's made a choice but it, it is that subtle change to how you're going to live your life that causes all these exploding problems yeah there's of. something familiar to that where i think that's why this movie is a fun experience because there's some of these you mentioned the high concept jim carrey you put him in a situation that allows him to explore his wackiness yep. like you got to say yes to everything or with liar liar or uh with bruce almighty where he sees god you know that kind of stuff yeah um when you when you let him run free in those parameters there's something just you know comforting and funny and just recognizable about it enough to where it's enjoyable definitely um the curious case of benjamin button mm -hmm. 
and uh, for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> That's about David right. Fincher, uh, this is one of his harder to watch movies. Yeah, it's, it's a very good way to put it. Another great concept, and it and it's uh, is it F. Scott Fitzgerald? It is F. Scott Fitzgerald. Um, yeah, you know, to put Brad Pitt in this thing where he slowly becomes younger as he ages. Mm-hmm. Um, is that is something that is interesting to, I mean, it's a great scenario and everything, but there's something about it. What is it? Is it its length? Is it that there's nothing really interesting and explored? Say, kind, of, kind of bored me. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, it's kind of, I mean, this movie made tons of money too. Yeah, it's almost three hours long. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, I, um, I just, I don't know what went wrong there, but uh, I mean, I guess, I guess for some people, this is a pretty good movie. But mm-hmm. in fact, seven point eight on IMDb. Oh my! All right, uh, but uh, not not from us. <laughs> Here's another great movie, Man on Wire. Oh, oh yeah, Ooh, yeah, it's Man, my jam. This is so thrilling, and I'm just gonna set aside and be- make believe that the Joseph Gordon-Levitt version doesn't exist. It doesn't um, fucking need to. No, it doesn't. And this is so thrilling. And I was thinking about how why I like it so much because obviously it's it's amazing. It's the walk between the twin towers uh, back in the seventies. Yeah, um, and it's Philippe Petit is is this Frenchman's name. The reason this hits me is his personality. Mm-hmm. He's awesome. Yeah, like he's he's just a great congenial dude, and he's a dreamer. Yeah, I think that's why this works. We don't understand the dream, but we understand having a dream. Yeah. and for whatever reason, this guy's dream is to walk across a wire between the two towers. So um, ballsy. It is ballsy, and I I I've told you guys this before. I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast, but the the walk the the Zemeckis version with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is so unnecessary, and it even embellishes what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but it, it tries to make you feel magic with effects. But the fact that the towers are gone now makes that entire scene feel fake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas Man on Wire, all the footage is from when the towers were there. Yeah. And yeah. there are camera stills from the ground, black and white pictures of this motherfucker on the wire yeah. really doing it. And you don't need to fake it. You don't need effects. That's goddamn amazing. What I really yeah. get into with this with this documentary is the little details, like the how many runs they had to make to get into the tower and hide from guards and all that to like and then like do their measurements and all this and try to figure it out. The the really very scary uh, thing about the the way the World Trade Center towers were positioned was that he couldn't get a straight line. Right. And they also sway. Yeah. You don't know, you don't think about that with buildings swaying in the breeze, but they do ever so slightly. Mm. And like even the slightest amount is going to affect your walk in some way. And uh, and he, he thought, though, I think there's a point where he thinks there's no way he can do it because there's no way to actually get that line straight and there's no way to also um account for the swaying buildings and everything but 
oh my god yes this is as thrilling as documentaries get yeah, it, it is absolutely amazing yeah. and the swaying is why i don't go up in big buildings mm-hmm. like when we went to new york a couple years ago you went up to the top of the new world trade Center. yeah i did not i went around and looked at the memorial which was very moving but i can't deal ever since college i went up in the top of the sears tower and just clung to the inner wall next to the elevator well because i you can feel that fucking building yeah. swaying and it is creepy it's funny, you can I, see the water in the toilet actually yeah. like moving i don't have a terrible fear of heights but yeah like there's been a couple of things that happened in both the sears and and this new world trade center the sears has like a part where you can like walk out yeah and there's a glass box yeah and whatever nope and 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 like you see millions of people go in there and they're doing like handstands and all that type of shit and everything and i worked myself up i finally went and did it and took pictures and everything but there's that there's that feeling that it's gonna break it's gonna crack man it's gonna make you fall down um and then the 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 new world trade center the the they put you in this uh, like place where you watch this presentation and then after the presentation is over, the screen comes up and you start seeing the real, like, where you are at that point. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, we went way up, didn't yeah. we? Holy crap. Well, in that presentation, you can find video of it online. It's amazing. When you're mm. going up in the elevator, it basically shows you time lapse of mm-hmm. New York growing around you as you're going up the floors. And you can even see the trade centers pop up. And a couple seconds later, they're yeah, gone. Yeah, they disappear. Mm. Um so yeah, it's pretty. You can find that video online. It's pretty moving. Mm. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's another recommend. If you haven't seen that, oh, if all you know is the walk, then watch yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. What else on here, guys? Did you guys ever see the other Bolin girl? Yeah, I did. Mm. It's. It, Don't remember a thing about it. It's luscious to look at. Like the colors pop. And the outfits are all real elaborate. It's Natalie Portman, Scarlett Johansson, mm-hmm. Eric Bana pretty forgettable movie but it's one of those once you once you've gone 10 minutes in you don't want to stop watching because you just want to see what's going to happen mm-hmm. uh, it's about Anne Boleyn uh, mm-hmm. and her sister uh, who took turns being married to the king um, but not one that I would say go watch it but it's one that I was like oh, it's not as bad as I expected yeah yeah I, and I, yeah I just don't remember much about it at all I just I just re- remember the colors is what you're talking about yeah. is all I really remember about mm-hmm. it Okay, uh, the continuation of M. Night Shyamalan's awful career, The <laughs> Happening. The plants are killing us. Oh, man. Don't need to talk about much about this. Mark Wahlberg's performance is an oddity, though. It's fun to watch. Just, I what is this intentional, do you think? I don't know, man. That's how, that's how weird it is, right? There's some people that, that actually defend this by saying it was intentionally a b movie i'm just gonna say if it is it, it's again it's kind of that room and uh birdemic type uh-huh. of thing if it is intentional then it is fucking genius because you have to have no awareness whatsoever that what you're making is bad yeah and even if you do enjoy it on that level i don't know what the point is no i mean you got to be on some heavy drugs to to like this film yeah like what kind you got access? Yeah, sure, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's. I guess it has in some ways become kind of a cult yeah. type of movie because yeah. of that. Uh, I haven't seen it since it came out in theaters, so maybe I'll give it another I watched whirl. it again fairly recently, and it's it's as bad as I 
remembered yeah if not worse well yeah i mean when i mean especially it's one of those movies it's just you're sitting there what's happening what's happening what's happening oh fucking plant (laughs) shit um uh a horror movie that i really enjoyed the strangers i don't know oh yeah yeah, i don't know if a lot of people enjoy it the way i do was it jonathan who says he didn't like this movie i I don't know uh but yeah it's it's a lot of fun yeah i shouldn't say it's a lot of fun because it's it's actually genuinely scary yeah it is which one is this this is a with it's Liv Tyler. Tyler, and there there's a couple that get into a new house, and then they and then as oh. the night falls, they start seeing strangers in the you know in out, masks, yeah, in masks mm. out in the yard and everything, and um and of course they you know they infiltrate and, and start terrorizing and everything, and uh, I think it's very effective. I yeah. think it's a I think it's a really uh, good horror movie. What I like about this is that. They explain away the cell phone caveat of almost all horror films by, dude, I think one guy, his battery runs down and one guy can't get service and things yeah, like that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we acknowledge that we have these, but it, they're just useless in this situation. Yeah. I know a guy who's like, man, cell phones kind of ruin horror movies mm-hmm. because, you know, because now there's always a chance, you know, they always have to address them yeah. every single time. Like, yeah. oh, they're not in their place with no service or, oh, yeah, the yeah. battery's out or whatever but uh i thought the strangers was pretty effective yeah, yeah. another horror movie i kind of liked that year was the ruins oh yes yeah. um Gen- jenna malone right yeah and it's about a, a group of kids who are down in central america somewhere and they hear about this ruined pyramid and hush hush and don't ever go there so of course they do and like right after they get there these natives come out of nowhere and kill one of them yeah mm-hmm. and so they run up to the top of the pyramid thing and that, that's when it becomes a killer vine movie. Yeah. yeah. Some of the most make me squirm in my seat visuals I've ever seen are yeah. those vines growing out of people's legs and shit. Um, not an A plus, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I actually I didn't expect much from this movie at all. It kind of reminded me of that perfect getaway movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, like in the in the way that uh you know i wasn't expecting anything i just fired it up one night because i was a projectionist and you can do that and i uh, really like that perfect getaway movie. yeah we should talk a lot about that next week we we will um but it, it reminds me of that a little bit because you're just like yeah I'll, I'll give this a shot or whatever and i think that's you just relax when you watch a movie like that yeah and, it's got a great look to it it's, yeah. it's got a very like immediate i don't know how else to describe it it's got a lot of immediacy in the shots yeah yeah well and it's it's a very i mean they're on the top of a pyramid but it's very close quarters kind of mm. set and action um i'm gonna start running them down here um there were a lot more comedies obviously um a semi-pro i've talked about that a, a mm. little we, i think we've talked about that a little bit another will ferrell like sports comedy that was coming there was like a ton of these yeah. coming out this one's not good at all no, not not no, no, i no. mean it has some i think it has maybe two or three moments in it yeah um a movie i really like and i don't know if you guys have seen this is nick and nora's infinite playlist oh yeah i have seen oh it. absolutely seen that? A lot. love yeah. that movie yeah that's a good one michael Sarah uh, really Mike, gets to shine in this movie yeah um uh just a just a really entertaining movie I, I i wasn't expecting much from that either and no. i just enjoyed the hell out of it yeah kevin smith came out with zach and mary make a porno which man there's so much there yeah and it just kind of just it fails you know it's it's got it's got clear moments of comedy that i love in it and it's got all these apatow type characters seth rogan it's mm-hmm. got elizabeth banks it's yeah. got greg robinson it's got all these people 
but man, there's something about something just to mean it's just a little bit too much about the. I mean, yeah, the 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 their their budding romantic relationship. I think kind of gets in the way of it. The actual porn scenes that you know they're you know shooting or whatever kind of that yeah. has some gross out stuff yeah, in it. Yeah. In terms of a concept, though, I think it's ahead of its time because you look at where we're at now and how many people are performing sex online themselves to earn cash mm. but that i don't think that was going on so rampantly back when this movie came out yeah. where, where this is just a bunch of average people strapped for cash who go well let's make some porn and we'll make money through porn yeah uh, we know porn well uh, and that's and that's one of the, my favorite parts of the movie is seth rogan saying it's like he's like if i found out one of my one of my high school classmates did porn i would go and buy that immediately you know all that um it's got one it's got a few kevin smithish moments like when they're filming in the coffee shop and this dude drunk dude just walks in yeah yeah like a cup of coffee like no man they're in the middle of screwing right right (laughs) like all right man yeah 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 Yeah. um but i I mean overall it's got some moments in it whatever it's it's uh, I, I felt like I wanted more out of that movie. Uh, Seven Pounds, we briefly talked about last week. It's a very sh- dour yeah. Will Smith movie. Yeah. And it's got a, it's got an ending that will surprise you a little bit, I guess. But mm-hmm. it's also just like, oh, mm-hmm. oh yeah. my God. I don't feel good about myself. What about Vicky Cristina Barcelona? Love that movie. Do you really? Never I saw do. it. I have a strong take on this movie. You hate it? I hate this movie. This is the adolescent fantasies of an old guy. That's true. Isn't that every Woody Allen movie? No, this this gets taken up to a whole different level because he he's plays on every stereotype there is on women. He's got the feisty Spaniard. He's got the blonde girl that's into romance and sex and the brunette that's all straight-laced and everything but really wants romance. And it's got Javier Bardem as this prototypical European Spanish guy. And it is no more revealed than when they're in the cafe and Javier Bardem comes up to him. He's like, I would like to take you to an island. And they're like, no, what are you talking about? We're not going to an island with you. We just met you. And that kind of thing. And he's like, well, what we'll do, we'll eat, we'll drink, we'll make love. And they're like, no, no, what? No, with which one of us? And he's like, maybe both. It's, it's okay. <laughs> and they're like, why would you think that this would happen? He's like, why not? We are alive. You are beautiful. <laughs> and it works oh, wow. it works wow they go with him on this thing and he screws both of them uh-huh. that's like that kid in the independence day resurgence who's like so you must be the pilot china sent yeah. you'd like to go hang out fall in <laughs> right. love and oh, i wrote a God. sin we cut but i wrote a sin there that said they're gonna end up together because hollywood thinks this is how this works yeah exactly uh i'm gonna i'm gonna say that yes while that should never work you know that works there are people who do that. Well, if you're Javier Bardem, maybe. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, well, it's just... you don't even. I don't think you even have to be Harvey or Javier Bardem. I mean, like you see, like, <laughs> I mean, you see some people, man, that shouldn't have any any chance at girls like that who somehow make it happen. Well, um, and the other thing about this, it's fucking Woody Allen's dialogue being crammed into twenty somethings' mouths. Of yeah. like, I, it drives me crazy. Of them saying i want to go to bed with you oh. or i want to make love to you or that kind of thing who the fuck says that now nobody says that no no all right it's, I just, agree. It, it's it's stupid angry babies. yeah it's angry. beautiful but it's stupid yeah i mean and and obviously he i mean he 
had a little bit of a thing of scar for Scarlett Johansson, yeah, yeah, like yeah. anybody would. Yeah. And he had this stretch of movies where she was in everything he did. Yeah. And everything, and he shot her very hornily in like a, a lot of movies, yep. especially in Math Point. Yes. Um. All right. Uh. Oh my God! Righteous Kill. I gotta. <laughs> I'm gonna mention this movie just because how bad it is. Um. It was a an attempt uh, because Heat. Even though uh, De-, De Niro and Pacino are both in Heat, there's not. Uh, like there's just one scene mm. and even that one scene they're not really framed together or whatever so they get they finally 13 years later come out with another movie righteous kill is such an awful movie mm-hmm. oh it's so bad all i remember is i hated it yeah well <laughs> there's a point where al pacino says he tells de niro that kill was righteous <laughs> <laughs> And, oh my god and i'm like oh so you did it then huh you're the guy you're the guy behind the guy um body of lies ridley scott uh directing oh. leonardo dicaprio and russell crowe in a movie saw it once and i saw it once and i didn't like it yeah it just went the route of spy game in my mind i don't remember anything about it mm. yeah I, I didn't like it too much um and with those two actors going on you think you get something a lot better kind of mm. like american gangster with ridley scott yeah like, you just kind of thought that would be a little bit better movie. And yeah. this is just, just sort of a, Ridley Scott's in kind of a funk here, I think. There's like a lot of these type of movies coming out in this era for him. Yep. Um, but a, an interesting little uh, a Quick and the Dead reunion there. DiCaprio mm-hmm. and Russell Crowe. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't even think they share screen time, though, because like Leo's halfway around the world. No, yeah. They talk on the phone the whole movie. I think that's why I hated it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to talk about two uh, uh, movies with race in the title. Speed Racer. Oh, yeah. The Wachowski brothers basically uh, kind of falling down that same M. Night Shyamalan track. Kind of the huge movie that everybody liked and then like you know sort of starting to fall down here every movie that come out there's some people who love speed they, they went for it it has a fan base yeah there it are, really does there are a lot of people who love speed racer i'm shocked at this because i could not stand it no it was like scott pilgrim with none of the good yeah like, right. just a headache <laughs> um uh death race came out oh, also yeah. this the uh the remake of death race 2000 um with jason statham in it Joan Allen has one of the all-time classic lines where she says something like, uh, I'll show this guy where where to shit on the sidewalk or something like that. <laughs> Makes no sense whatsoever. Um, but that she says that in the middle of a, a big action scene or whatever. Oh, she can show me where to shit on the sidewalk. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> I'm totally down with that. Uh, Clint Eastwood had two movies this year. Changeling, another good uh-huh. one. I, I like Changeling. I like quite this a, movie a lot. Yeah, Angelina Jolie loses a kid, and then the cops come back with a kid that's definitely not hers, and she has to sit there and like say, "Look, this isn't the kid. Are my real kids out there?" And everything, mm-hmm. and not being taken seriously as a woman yep. back in the day and everything. It's a terrifying kind of movie. It really is. There's another movie called The Changeling that came out in the 70s with George C. Scott. By the way, a really good horror movie if you ever want to see that. When this when changeling came out i was like i was like is that are they remaking that yeah. uh, i hope not you know uh. and uh but no it's a completely kind of different movie um the reader oh yeah i uh, like that movie yeah, yeah yeah um uh kate winslet also uh always always good and everything now she's she's associated with nazis right yes yeah, she is and, and she's this, hiding out yeah and this this is a kid that's actually like reading books to her and stuff mm-hmm. like that yeah and they turn it into a romance yeah and everything. yeah it's it's really i mean she's 
she's great in everything. She's just terrific. And she's she's one of my favorites of mm. all time. What were you about to say, Jeremy? You had something on your I was going to say, did you guys ever see W? Oh, yeah. I did. I yeah. don't remember much about it, though. I think it won the Oscar for most instances of the word bushy. <laughs> <laughs> all I remember, I mean, uh, I like Josh Brolin a lot, and I think he's good in this movie, but uh, I think they went way overboard on the bushy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, Oliver Stone sort of trying to win back his old, like, um, you know, well, I do movies about presidents and politics yeah. and everything, but a little bit more campy than usual, too. A little bit, yeah, and and yeah, everybody's just a, maybe dialed up to 11 and should have stayed at 10. Well, it's silly because Will Ferrell did his You're Welcome America thing, oh, yeah. uh, impersonating George Bush, which was hilarious. Yeah. And I think HBO did a, an airing of that yeah, it play. it was very well received. Um, Milk came out. Sean mm-hmm. Penn, another great performance great there. Won the Oscar. Yeah. Um, just a, I mean, there's a scene, and I can't really replicate it here, but there's a scene where Sean Penn's walking through his office, and he's going down the hallway, and he's basically introducing all the people that work for him and everything. It's a just a master class in acting, I believe, because mm-hmm. he goes through a like a gamut of like different like you know motions and in like and stuff with you know just stuff that he does with his face and his arms and everything. Uh, but yeah, very enjoyable movie. What about the uh, the Incredible Hulk? Yeah, yeah. we we skipped we up. skipped that uh, during the uh, comic book uh, stuff that we were talking about. Another Ed Norton movie where there are rumors off the set that he was hard to work with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, do you like this movie? No, I don't I mean, like any of the Hulk movies. But uh, you know, I like the character enough. I'll keep watching them. It's I guess. weird, right? Like the Ang Lee version is better directed than this yeah. is, but I still think this is a better movie than Hulk. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit faster paced yeah. and, uh, and I, I, I mean, I like Eric Bana, but I like Edward Norton a lot better. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, I mean, this is basically rehash. I mean, even though it's like picks up right after he does the experiment on himself and everything and it, in, it introduces William Hurt as a character that yeah. we're going to see later and everything. Yeah, I didn't like it too much, but it does. It's it's not great, but Tim Roth's character, who's also not great, he's pretty one dimensional as being the angry, power hungry, you know, military guy. Yeah, but he just seethes. He's good the at entire seething. thing. He's great at seething, and it's like it's almost like what what I hated about the Planet of the Apes performance, uh, the Tim Burton one. Yeah. Like I, I I love Tim Roth anyway, but like he's just so kinetic and angry in this yeah. movie that i like it for whatever reason um the house bunny i didn't like that too much I, anna ferris was becoming a producer at this point mm. and and, and uh, this was a big hit for her and everything but man the movie i, I didn't like my it wife all. loves it it's also got emma stone yeah and who's almost unrecognizable yeah like. and mm. the girl from american idol who's an actress now um is it cat mcphee yes Catherine mcphee um so so there's that uh, chronicles of narnia narnia prince caspian came out we talked about a little bit about that and one of the others wanted came out yeah um man that's a big that's a big mess that movie has a following that movie has fans it it's it's basically the matrix only a loom is telling you what to do and who <laughs> right, to kill. Right. A sentient loom. Right. And the movie has curving bullets. Yeah. I've said enough. Right. Uh, I was I was really hoping for this movie. Yeah. I it's really, got its charms. It does. James McAvoy, 
It, by the way, his accent in this is very not good. He obviously had not <laughs> perfected his American accent, but like, I, I think there, there's uh, there's some things to like. Well, and Morgan Freeman at the end, where he's like, "Well, you can kill all these motherfuckers," or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever he says at the end is hilarious. Um, Revolutionary Road got DiCaprio and Kate Winslet back together, mm-hmm. and it was Sam Mendes and uh, Michael Shannon got nominated for this. He's great in this movie itself. Oh my god, yeah, hard to man. watch. Um, let me. Mama Mia came out. Uh, yeah, really, the only thing uh, about this, I told that story when it was when we interlocked the Dark Knight. We had seven auditoriums with Dark Knight, and would have done an eighth. But we had to show Mamma Mia. <laughs> and because two people showed up for Mamma Mia, we had to, oh we had to show it. Did you yeah. like this at all? Did you like this at all? I never saw it. It didn't look it at all uh, like it was up my alley. It, yeah, I mean, I've got a soft spot for Abba. Yeah. Well, that may be part of the problem. <laughs> and it's, I mean, it's engaging. Meryl Streep is, mm-hmm. is good in it. I got my she Abba actually, fix from Meryl's wedding. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, they do... They do it justice. I mean, I've never seen the play, but apparently it's it's just, you know, insanely box office numbers. Mm-hmm. So uh, they do a good job. I think it's it's. I it's think charming. Pierce Brosnan is terrible in this. Yeah, though. yeah. And, and and it was kind of hard. You know, some of these song numbers are hard to watch. But yeah, for the most part, it's, it's a you know, fun movie yeah. or whatever. Um, another great crime movie that came out in Bruges. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Love this movie. You got to watch it. With the captions on. Yes, you do. Or watch it like <laughs> Holy multiple times. Holy shit, do you have to watch it with the Talk captions on. Talk about thick accents. Yeah. But once you break through that, this movie is fucking funny. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's so good. Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, it's uh, it's just fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Ray Fine shows up real, real like briefly. Yeah, watch the movie with subtitles. This is another yeah. recommend. <laughs> um, Quantum of Solace is Daniel Craig's worst Bond. Mm-hmm. The worst Daniel Craig Bond, I think. Yeah, it's a mess. Yeah. It's a. It's basically acts as a sequel to Casino Royale because it's a continuation of the last. And Bond movies never do that. A well, boring sequel. Yeah. This has got to be one of the worst movie titles ever. Yeah. Quantum yeah. of Solace. Give me a break. Right. And I think at this point, they may that may have been the last any any short story title that Ian Fleming had that might have been the last one or that's when they started making them up but they they have now officially run out of ian fleming titles mm. to actually title bond movies now Interesting. So, um yeah the uh, the resurrection of rambo happened mm. um which just you know it's just a super violent movie <laughs> like the one of the most violent movies you'll ever see uh 10,000 bc was roland emmerich being shitty again yeah <laughs> uh, Fuck that movie. yeah um definitely maybe bolt is another movie that came out that was a disney before they were really getting the good stuff and everything it was a big hit though it was a big hit uh, Miley Cyrus and John Travolta in the same movie. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, but it, you know, uh, man, it—it's just it wasn't very good. <laughs> um, we mentioned Bronson. I talked about Bronson a few um, podcasts ago. Sex Drive, which I know both you and I yeah, like yeah. a that's lot. Fun. That's a that's a fun little that's small a very comedy. funny movie. Uh, Sex in the City. They came out with a movie version of the hit series and everything. Mm. It's a terrible fucking movie. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's terrible, but it was a huge, huge hit. Um, it. Uh, I remember I was in New York at the time this movie came out. It sold out like every weekend show in advance wow like at my theater everybody's theater was sold out on friday and saturday night um before it even came out 
I I mentioned Defiance. Have you ever seen that movie? That's Daniel Craig as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Edwards Wick movie. It's a. I mean, it's you know, it's like World War Two. Yeah, uh, I saw that come up type on. of movie, yeah. and I've only seen it once. It was good. I mean, just want to bring it up. Yeah, you you had uh, you mentioned uh, Twenty One, and the reason I'd bring that movie up is that um, I actually read the book uh, before this came out. And Bringing Down the House is what it's called. Mm-hmm uh it's a fantastic book it tells you exactly how it's based how, on a true story right based on a true story of mit students who went and they counted cards in vegas Fucking awesome and uh and in the book it tells you in more detail obviously in the movies they have to sort of get rid of all the smarter stuff because it's hard to follow and a lot but when you read the book you see okay that i i understand the process to the point that i actually want to go out and play some cards now <laughs> and uh but the but the movie of course it kind of tells you what's going on and everything and you kind of know but some of the coolest stuff in the book isn't in the movie uh, so it's got a great use of mgmt's time to pretend at the beginning yeah too. it's which is it was everywhere that year. It yeah. was a da 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 Yeah, yeah. Oh man, it, yeah. It, it was in the sex drive. Cool. Com- it was in the sex drive trailer. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the other one uh, that I ran past was "Let the Right One In." Oh, I, I, I had that down, mm-hmm. but I'm so gun shy now on the, get the dates wrong. I didn't want to bring it up because yeah. that's a foreign film. Yeah. Um, but I I love that movie, and I even like the remake. Of yeah, it. that's what this is one of those rare cases where America pounced on a successful foreign film and then made another good one. Yeah, uh, yeah. with Let Me In. Yeah, uh, they're both good. Yeah, uh, you mentioned a few a minute ago. Oh, Synecdoche, New York, or however it is. Yeah, Synecdoche. Yeah, it's <laughs> the re and and it's it's sort of a play on Schenectady mm. or whatever and but like this is a movie man i had people who just love the shit out of this oh yeah i saw it the one time that was enough for me i was tired very exhausted by the oh end that's of it. not a because this is charlie kaufman right? yeah charlie kaufman directs writes and philip seymour hoffman's in it you'd think i mean the elements are there Catherine keener is in it didn't charlie kaufman have something to do with be kind rewind and wasn't that this no, year? No, that was um, that was uh, Michelle. Yeah, uh, Michelle Gondry. Gondry so, so connected. Where, yeah, There's yeah. a little bit of a connection there, but I, I think it is 2008 when that came. It out. was it was on my list, but again, I've gotten a bunch of them wrong. This but week, that's so. a fun movie. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, most uh, stuff is always fun to watch. Yeah, where they make they're Swedish, they're sweeting movies, but they don't have the actual movie, <laughs> so they make their cheapo versions of it. And then later, those cheapo versions actually become great hits in the community and yeah, everything. People start so, to love them. Yeah, yeah and they, they start making them. more and more. It's uh, it's not a it's not a great movie, but it's fun. Yeah, and I know I ran. You you mentioned a couple. Rachel getting married. Oh yeah, and I haven't seen that still to this right. day. Uh, have you seen it? Uh, it's been a while. I think it was. Uh, she plays a Anne Hathaway plays a pretty raging asshole yeah 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 she's terrible in this movie yeah uh but i haven't i haven't seen it she got nominated for it i believe oh yeah um eagle eye i mentioned that it was it's not a good movie really but that's another shia labeouf basically uh steven spielberg was like just shepherding shia labeouf (laughs) like all these movies back then and he was a producer on this and Man, yeah, I don't like Eagle Eye. Yeah, I don't like it either. Uh, I guess Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, we should Yeah, mention. Hellboy 2. I mean, I, I kind of like this better than the first one. I kind of do too. I think a lot of people do. Really? I think that was the general consensus was they got more right the second time. But I think they they didn't have David Hyde Pierce the second time. Yeah. And that disappointed me because I don't yeah. know. It's beautiful though. Yeah, it's kind of lose a little continuity there when you don't get the Well, same. David Hyde Pierce has such a recognizable yeah, voice. Yeah. 
Um, Frost Nixon came out. That's mm-hmm. another sort of, oh man, it got nominated for Best Picture. Um, another Ron Howard movie that I just kind of just cannot love for some reason. Well, this is another one where you've got the tapes yeah. and the, the interview in real life. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they had turned it into a formal well, documentary. The the thing about the real tapes is that there's a lot of boring shit yeah, in that. Yeah. And and it, it takes and the this part that this whole movie was made about is like a brief, brief part of the entire uh, thing. They make a big deal about it yeah. and everything. But uh it's another movie. I'm like, man, I really want to I mean, good performances. You got uh Michael Sheen and and Franklin Jella, mm-hmm. they're both really good. Franklin Jella pulls off a really good Nixon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, yeah, not not an over the top campy way. Like yeah. he plays it really straight, like the mannerisms, and not really relying on the voice. Yeah, uh, a movie that tried to have some uh, have a sort of a Rashomon kind of feel to it. And ended up kind of, I mean, I think it ended up failing. Vantage Point came out. Uh, it's Dennis Quaid, and it's got... Um, Jack from Lost. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew Fox. Matthew Fox. Uh, Forrest Whitaker's in it. But uh, yeah, I remember uh, <laughs> I remember seeing trailers for this, and it tells you exactly what happens. Like, you know, it's like, okay, we're going to see this from all different vantage points. That's what mm. the fucking movie's called. And I remember watching this with some theater employees, and some theater employees brought some of their friends to watch this. And, like, there's a point where, like, it shows you all the stuff that happens, and then it goes back to the beginning. And t- twice it happens, and somebody turns to, one of the theater boy's friends turns to him, and he goes, confusing. <laughs> and I'm like, the fuck, man? It's not confusing. It's bad, but it's not confusing. And I'm sure we're missing something, but fuck it. Let's let's vote. We got all the important ones. Yeah. yeah. Fuck it. Let's vote. Today's order is Chris, Barrett, and Jeremy. I feel like it's always me going last and really? i like that because i both have all the power and none of it Ooh, and mm, i don't know what i'm talking about deep. let's that's just deep. chris <laughs> barrett and jeremy the loom the magic loom has the determined loom. this this order oh man uh this is actually a tough one but i'm gonna go to the dark knight mm. on this um uh just expertly made still the best comic book movie there is and by a mile and it's one of those movies that when it came out people were actually trying to figure out if this was on the par of the godfather that's how good it was um and you know really just for the opening 20 minutes alone for me is is something that that just draws me in the music that little you know that little that one note that's Mm -hmm. being played and uh and just how that all goes down and how how everything is just just the ball gets so rolling on that the movie never stops really yeah. from that point uh it's just super excellent it's got i'm gonna get my vote what's interesting about the dark knight is that aaron eckhart's performance is great but he gets overshadowed by yeah. almost everybody you know um and uh, you know him and gary oldman I've never really bought Gary Oldman's performance as Jim Gordon just because he's just so British to me and such a bad dude that mm-hmm. like this is such a weird juxtaposition. Anyway, my pick is Dark Knight too. Uh, oh. It's it's a it is a perfect comic book movie and it is one of the best movies I've seen in the last twenty years or so. Mm-hmm. That yeah. Hong Kong sequence 
I've never seen a movie that made me want to go half around the world yeah. just to see a city. Because <laughs> Hong Kong looks insane. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'd love to see it at night. Um, and you know what? I, I had this whole apology prepared to Dark Knight fans because I'm voting The Wrestler. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dark Knight is going to win. I feel yeah. a lot better voting The Wrestler now because we, we did not let down the Batman fans, but I got to give my little Aronofsky shout out there with the vote. I. I don't know. This movie just affected me uh, yeah. in a really, really deep way. No, and, it's a great uh, pick. And so, yeah, A Dark Knight. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. One, one great round. year. Great year. Good great year. year. It took, took, you know, obviously it took forever for us to get through all of it. <laughs> we had to talk about a lot of these movies in detail and everything. And obviously there's some minor ones in there that mm-hmm. you feel like you need to punch in there because they don't get their due because it's such a great year. Uh, but you're talking, you know, in The Dark Knight, the the scene when Hong Kong and everything. This is the first time I remember loving IMAX. Oh yeah, mm. yeah because absolutely. it there you know the, the IMAX obviously there's like what six or seven scenes where it actually uses IMAX. The opening robbery scene, the Hong Kong scene, all that. But you know when he's when he's flying out of there with the dude yeah. and it's like you know and everything you're just like yeah man i'm all in this movie it's so good so good all right uh so we got some q a we do question question i got something to say i want the truth i am listening okay here's the first one uh do you think unexpected violence or a surprise gun can take away from certain movies um adaptation mentions this but there's some other movies where violence or a gun really wasn't needed and they give a couple of examples of it but basically what what scenes stand out to you where the violence just seemed unnecessary and and just took you out of it okay so i mentioned two movies here i felt like drives violence Mm -hmm. was abhorrent Mm -hmm. like it took me out quite a bit like and i can take pretty much anything in movies i'm very desensitized to it but geez, the violence and drive is way over the top. It's, you know, we're seeing heads getting crushed in and all that type of stuff. Kind of like the Game of Thrones and, you know, all yeah. that type of stuff. You don't expect it. And maybe that's the the power that it has is you don't really expect this guy who they've, you know, they hinted at as a gangster and everything doing this type of stuff because he feels so sweet during the entire yeah. thing. But then once the violence starts, you're like, geez, man, this is just so much. Yeah. I also mention uh, Rounders, not because there's a lot of people dying in it or whatever, but the but the, the, the character of Grandma is always doing something like a little bit over the top yeah. in the violence. Edward Norton, who's a dick, by the way, he's, deserves a yeah. lot of this stuff. <laughs> But there's a there's a part in there where Edward Norton says like, "Ha, you've been rolling fags in the town again, haven't you?" Yeah. And like he he get, like the guy goes over and just like punches him like in the stomach and yeah, the kidneys yeah. and yeah. in the bathroom. And Edward Norton never ever stops. He yep. just keeps on. He didn't shut up. And then there's another part later on when they go visit him and he's like he's like Shh, he's got a dog over. You got to catch him in the act or whatever. And you hear this. Arr! you know whatever because yeah. <laughs> he's done something to the dog I and mean, it's uh-huh. this is one of those that just kind of like you don't need that yeah, yeah really but anyway those are two examples the one that stood out to me was actually in a movie that we just talked about in burn after reading uh oh, yeah because oh when he punches him in the car no 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 it's it's when it's in the middle of a campy fun you know highbrow like quick firing dialogue movie and as soon as you see George Clooney and Brad Pitt in the same scene, yeah. he blows his fucking head off. Yeah. Uh, and it is not shy about the 
guts and brain yeah. bits and disgustingness that it shows on the wall. And because he goes back upstairs and like checks on him. And there's this moment of what's supposed to be suspense where he's like, is he still alive and all that stuff? But you know he's dead as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like there's no doubt about it. And that was the only like part of that that really because they don't go over the top. Like Mount John Malkovich kills a dude with a hatchet in this movie. Yeah. But they don't show the head shit. They show like the the brain being blown out. But uh, that was a little bit weird to me. Yeah. Okay. Well, I I'll just throw out Kill Bill as a token answer because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I've talked about that movie's violence bothering me before. But I'm gonna go with the Patriot, and it's because you said hatchet. Because there's that scene where they they make off with his son and he grabs his two younger sons and gives them rifles and runs ahead on the trail and sets up guns. And they the three of them, basically him, take out all these British soldiers. The last one runs away. Mel Gibson runs him down and hits him with that hatchet about 22 times more than is necessary. (laughs) And even if you're trying to show this is the old wartime animal coming out i still only need like five hatchet swings <laughs> i don't need all of that i get and then they show you the body from like a top angle after that and it's just it seems out of place in a movie that is ultimately kind of about chess charming mm. chess between these guys and and the british uh just it always felt a little bit way too over the top yeah yeah this is going to be a fun one what are some of your favorite jaw-dropping moments in movies man yeah. Where do you start on this? There are a lot, obviously. Um, and and one I'm going to mention because I don't think very many people have seen this movie. Um, but it's and, and it and it comes sort of unexpected because the movie itself isn't like great or anything. But We Own the Night mm-hmm. has a fantastic car chase scene in it. Hmm. Um, it is the it's mainly just the way the sound is. Uh, it's just a rainy street. It's dark and, you know, it's got that sets the atmosphere very well. Joaquin Phoenix is in a car. Robert Duvall, his dad, is in another car. And uh, the bad guys just show up sort of and there's no music accompanying it. There's nothing. They got they just come up and when they shoot their guns, it's not like, you know, that type of thing. It's just like, oh, yeah, that type of thing. And like you just see the you see the the guns firing and you know you see the like smoke or whatever, but you just it's not like over the top you know uh, bullet sounds and everything. And then the like you see the car move up to where Robert Duvall is, and you're just seeing Joaquin Phoenix behind the wheel, and he's looking at what's happened. And uh, and Duvall, you see Duvall pull out a gun in his driver's seat, and he's like shooting at the car, uh-huh. and the other car is like and it's like. And you see the car just start swerving and everything. I, my jaw dropped in that because it was it was just came out of nowhere. The movie is fine. Uh-huh. That is excellent. It's just incredibly excellent. Like wow. it's just like it's a, it, it transcends that movie so much. Ooh, that's a wow. great one. I'm gonna have to watch that. I've got a uh, quick one and a cheating one. My quick one is even in the the sea of violence that is Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. when the gun goes off and Marvin gets shot in the face. Oh, Jesus. That, was shocking yeah uh and then the reaction of just like john travolta almost coolly saying like, oh man i shot marvin in the face <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And of course jules reaction to it and everything but that was just like even with all of the unexpected stuff in that movie that one just like hit me well you know? and it, the timing of that is so 
hilarious because they're arguing about whether or not miracles exist or yeah, God yeah. came down and stopped the bullets. It's just perfect. Well, yeah, John Travolta. Gotta have an opinion. Yeah, John Travolta is turning around and you and it's just normal part of the conversation. Yeah. But he pulls and he pulls that gun over. Now, in most movies, if somebody like pulls a gun over and everything, and they're just kind of talking. Of course, the gun's not going to fire. Yeah, but it does here, and it, and just the way it just spreads the entire windshield with blood and guts and everything. All my answers are going to involve shooting people in the head. Yes. I do have a quick cheating answer, though. Yep. It's the entire auditing session in The Master mm. with Philip Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix, mm-hmm. where it's shot so close up. He's on his, his boat, and it's just the two faces going back and forth mm-hmm. where he's just rapid fire questioning yeah. this guy. And, you know, have you ever had sex with a family member or something like that? And, you know, weird, crazy stuff that comes out. And by the end of it, or in the middle of it, Joaquin Phoenix is like hitting himself in the face because he's getting this shit wrong. And it builds and it builds and it builds and it builds. And it's it's a slow jaw drop for me. But by the end of that, my jaw's on the floor. Yeah. Oh, it's a great scene. That's a good one. Uh, I'm also going with the car chase, and it's from The Raid 2. Oh, yeah. Now, there's several moments in The Raid 2 that made my jaw drop. That bath- bathroom stall assault, the yeah. mud fight, the kitchen fight at the end. But, And I saw this with my friend Josh, who you guys have met. There's this amazing sequence where he's getting beat up by the guys in the car with him, and there are other cars following, and everybody's fighting with everybody. And, and the, uh, the camera pulls out of one car, slides down the road, and zooms into another car's window yeah. and out the other side's window and i turned to josh and i was like this movie's amazing yeah. like i had never seen anything like that and i instantly wanted to know how the fuck did he do that and there's there's actually a video on youtube you can find on how he did it there's a dude laying down in the car who grabs the camera and passes it out the window to wow. a guy on a frame oh my God. Uh, but it's just so inventive and it put me right there in the scene God, i love that movie yeah. so visceral wow raid two is fantastic oh i love this one I love this one so much. <laughs> Hi, Cinema Sins. I'm 13 years old, oh. and I want to become an actress. I am a cinephile, a big fan of your YouTube channel. Thank you very much. I love 80s movies and will be going into high school next year. My question for you is, what is the best 80s teen movie of all time, and who is your favorite 80s movie character? Yeah. How does a 13-year-old in 2016 become obsessed with 80s movies? I don't know. I a good know. parent that's how yeah yeah <laughs> all right um, so what's the question our favorite 80s movie and the favorite 80s character oh jesus um so there are obviously a lot of them and uh i could go i could i can probably agree with 10 12 choices here but i'm gonna go with risky business nice oh, and wow. i'm gonna go with tom cruise um actually i'm gonna i'm gonna get to character but Tom Cruise in this risky in risky business is as loose as you see him until Tropic Thunder. Just yeah, about. yeah. And uh, and I, I actually this came on cable recently. I had to watch it because it's just one of those compulsively watchable movies. Um, there's a if you don't know what risky business is, it's him and Rebecca De Mornay, and for one night she invites all of her friends to his house where you know his parents are gone. Classic eighties trope: parents are gone, let's have a party. Except this time. He's got hookers at his house and all of his friends are just going to come in and pay for sex and then leave. And, uh, and he's, he's got this hope that he wants to go to Princeton mm-hmm. and the Princeton guy shows up during the party, which is bullshit. I mean, it comes like, it's like, you know, eight or nine o'clock at night. This guy <laughs> shows up unannounced. Uh, but, uh, he interviews him 
and the guy's like well you're not very you're not exactly princeton material are you and he just takes it all in stride the mornay comes in just watching him and uh and he puts on his sunglasses and he comes he stands up and he, and she's like well, so what do you, what's the what's the what's the verdict because i guess it's the university of illinois <laughs> <laughs> he's so he's so excited about going to the university yeah. of illinois now because hey you know what i'm making money and i'm having fun right now who cares um so yeah um my favorite 80s character may be gordon gecko <laughs> oh wow that's a good one not because of anything that i want to emulate in my life but i think michael douglas uh really in, like encapsulates uh you know the greed of the 80s and everything and it's perfect and he's so it's perfect because he 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 seems like kind of a good guy mm. with a with a rough edge and everything but no he's just pure evil yeah he's a pure <laughs> evil guy and and uh and i think this is douglas's best role ever obviously yeah. i think he even he acknowledges i don't think i'll ever do anything better than that that character's filled with so many lines, so many like just I I don't know how I pick over that guy in the eighties, but oh, that's anyway. a good one. Man, it's amazing how raunchy teen comedies were in the eighties. Yeah. I mean, risky business, you know, a high schooler going right. to, into prostitution, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. But uh, so it's hard to pick something for a 13 year old girl to watch that would be appropriate. But if she's listening to this podcast, she knows where our heads are at. Right. Anyway. And, you know, the and if she likes know. 80s teen comedies, then she's probably seen the worst. She's used to it. Uh, I would say for my favorite 80s teen comedy, it would have it would have to be Better Off Dead, yeah. uh, It which is such a quirky movie. It it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's absurdist and everything, but it's so much fun. And John Cusack is just going to his teeny bopper extreme and reaction shots and things like that, mm-hmm. where he's like just going over the top. You've got the kid that's looking for his two dollars. You know, you've got the uh the two Japanese guys that were raised on Howard Cosell from Wide World of Sports and <laughs> they're trying to raise him and everything. Uh this movie hits all the beats. It's hilarious. You will not have a bad time. So that's my my favorite my recommend from the eighties. My favorite character I'm actually gonna stay on John Cusack. Oh yeah. It's gotta be Lloyd Dobler. Yeah. Uh, Lloyd Dobler is just the most caring, compassionate, all-around dude that you kind of want to be. And it's that, I think we mentioned it before, possibly, on when we've talked about Say Anything, the the, the part where all the, all the girls are in their room and someone goes, goes Lloyd Dobler, yeah. and everybody's like, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much sums it up. Yeah. Guy's awesome. Yeah. I mean, he's got... The the best line in that movie, and I may have mentioned this before, but like, I, I think it was Eric Stoltz at his party where like the guy's like, "I gotta get my keys, man. I got my keys," and he's like, "You must chill. Yeah. You must chill. <laughs> I have hidden your keys." Yeah. And he's like, "Oh, thanks, man." Yeah. He's it, also it, such an optimist. There's that line I love where he says to his sister, "Why can't you just choose to be in a good mood?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just a he's a lovable dude. That's a good choice. Yeah. Um, I was watching Fast Times with Ridgemont High the other day. Oh, another good one. Uh, and my wife has never seen it. And she came in to see what I was watching right at the scene where Sean Penn has the pizza delivered to class. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And I was like, babe, you got to watch this scene. This is an iconic classic scene. And then the next scene is Phoebe Cates getting out of the pool. Of course. And I was like, this is also an iconic classic scene. And that's when I realized this whole movie is iconic and yeah. classic. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think we're talking 80s the decade. I think we're talking like 80s, the feel of the 80s, right? Because Back to the Future came out in the 80s. That's probably my favorite movie from mm. the 80s. But it doesn't really 
sum up the 80s the way something like the ones we're talking about mm-hmm. do. Uh, but for character, I'm going to go a little off book and go with Aaron, Albert Brooks's character in Broadcast News. Oh. Um, because he's not super attractive. Uh, he's got unrequited love for uh, Holly Hunter. He's super smart with an acerbic wit. Uh, and that will never be enough yeah. to get him ahead of the William Hurts of the world who have all the looks, even if they have no brains. And I always connected to that character because that's how I felt in school. Like I felt like I I was smart, but not attractive enough to ever get the, the right girl's attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just plays everything so cool. He calls in with facts when William Hurt is doing the hosting. And then by the end of the movie... He's he's figured out. I don't even want to do that. I don't even want to be on camera and read something that somebody else wrote. I like investigating and writing the news. So he's got nice closure there. Uh, not necessarily. I mean, that is a very '80s feeling movie when you watch it. Not that that sums up the decade, but uh, maybe might be a little cheat there. But yeah, that's my they and Albert Brooks and that you know the 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 line that's sort of heartbreaking is when he's talking to Holly Hunter and he's like, I want, I wish there were two of you, you know, the yeah. one the one that I'm in love with and the one that I can run to and tell the, about the girl that I love so much, yeah. you know. <laughs> and then yeah. he's exhausted and he sits down. And he's like, I gotta not say that anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, one sort of theme that you can probably come out of this on this '80s thing is you probably can't go wrong with John Cusack. Yeah. in the 80s and you can't go wrong with cameron crow yeah that's true yeah. and yeah. you have two in one on one movie and then you have a whole bunch you know fast times at ridgemont high he wrote mm-hmm. that i mean uh you can't go wrong with those guys in yeah. the 80s but uh yeah i think those are some good choices there by the way jeremy i find you very attractive mm-hmm. um, well that was then now i know i'm hot yeah, yeah. I, I mean come yep. on i mean damn okay this is an interesting one what are some bad movies with good scores and i'm gonna oh. go with the i'll start I, i'm gonna go for a twofer because Elliot Goldenthal is a great composer, mm-hmm. a great film composer specifically, and he did two that I think are for terrible movies. One was uh, Batman Forever, yeah. which is a hideous movie, um, and that's just it, it's almost it, it's a derivation of the the Danny Elfman theme of the da 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 da, and he, he kind of like turns it on its head a little bit, and it's it's really really good. The other one is Interview with the Vampire, mm-hmm. uh, which is full of just screeching violins yeah. and these like weird. Uh, my favorite one is that kind of weird piece where Stephen Ray's character comes in and is like you know walking upside down mm-hmm. and all that stuff, and it's got this. It's almost disoriented. There's a scene also, I think it's Antonio Banderas who's like trying to uh, get trying to pull that wall down or not, like pull bricks out what's oh, he yeah. trying to do he's trying to get somebody from out that yeah. wall but i remember the scene for whatever reason because of the score because it has those violins yeah. that you're talking nah, about nah. yeah yeah it's like like all that it's really good yeah um a movie i haven't seen but i've heard the score from and i know is a bad movie is the last airbender (laughs) and this is frequently cited it's funny you look on the internet and you write this very question on google or whatever and like this comes up quite a bit oh really james newton howard did this um and yeah there's some really great music for a movie that did not deserve it (laughs) um but uh yeah that's gonna be my pick interesting well, part of me wants to go with something I talked about too recently to go with it. And that's Spider-Man three, specifically yeah. that Sandman creation scene. But I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go for the easy answer and say Phantom Menace and Duel, ah. Duel of the Fates. That's a perfect um, one. Which is 
Duel of the Fates might be my favorite piece of Star Wars music, uh, and Phantom Menace is my least favorite Star Wars movie. Um, so I think that's saying something, especially, gosh, the extended version on the closing credits when we would go in there to clean that thing. Uh, there's a big chunk of Duel of the Fates there. Mm-hmm. and uh, I just love it. It gives me chills even thinking about it. Yeah, yeah man. His use of... Because he never used a choir in any of the other uh-uh, ones. No. It's a Carmina Barana type of thing. The Carl Orff uh, type of... Th- that's in every movie trailer from the 80s. Uh, it's very much reminiscent of that. And it's awesome. Yeah. That's going to be it for this uh, episode. Uh, keep going to SoundCloud and giving us your thoughts. Yeah, do all that stuff. Because we... We get a lot of feedback from just some feedback from the people on iTunes, some from Spotify. Um, some people actually last week came to SoundCloud for the first time and said, I listen on a different platform, but I wanted to come and comment. Uh, so do whatever makes you feel comfortable. To give us ratings on, on iTunes. That's fine. The SoundCloud stuff is more immediate and we can respond to it. So, yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, always enjoy seeing those comments. But anyway, that'll be it for this episode. It's Chris Atkinson, Jeremy Scott, and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Do you hate the Rocky Horror Picture Show as much as Chris does? I am not a fan at all. I think you're right. I watched it late, late last night. Oh my god, that fucking but, movie! But Tim Curry's performance is amazing. Though. It is. It's the songs that yeah. are worthwhile. Yeah. Oh, but, everything else is garbage. But everything else is very hard to watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God bless him. That's a nice twist on their regular. I guess thing, they've done know? one or two other songs before. Yeah. And I guess the way it works is I don't watch all their videos, but I guess they they'll do it just a little tiny snippet in a main bad lip reading video. Yeah. And if enough people clamor, they make a whole song out of it. Nice. Well, that's I guess what they did here. Nice. <laughs> I'm not your friend. <laughs> what is it? What? Don't fall asleep was the last thing. There's so many moments. Don't that fall asleep. I thought, okay, I'm done laughing at this. And then something else would happen and I'd be like, oh my God. Yeah, it's catchy as hell too. It's weird that so many people uh, voted for that to be an AMA. Yeah, well, that's the only reason I did it because it had so many upvotes. Because mm-hmm. that you don't get to the front page of, with a request for that if people don't actually want it. So, mm-hmm. okay. How it. many requests yeah. was it again? How many what? Requests. Well, there were, by the time I sent it to you guys, there was like over 2,000, I think, upvotes on maybe 1,700. And you would think out of that 2,000, there would be about 100 who were like, yeah, I want them to do an AMA. I can't wait to rip them, man. I've been like, wait. They came out. They were there. <laughs> I've been holding on to this. I've been holding on to this one for years, man. I was most impressed, not really impressed, but frustratedly impressed with the people who like write half their comment really kindly and then zing you at the end with what a turd you are. Like, hi, I've watched your videos since the very beginning. Why did you stop being funny? (laughs) Stuff like that. Yeah. Anyway. I forgot I did that. I don't know. I wasn't aware that we were not funny anymore. Oh, you weren't? I thought we were doing the same thing, but all right. I was surprised that when I reached down to quickly answer my favorite music video of all time, that I came up with Aerosmith's Crying. I was surprised, too. But... I kept thinking about it, and I think it, it probably it's is. It's not a bad pick. 
Yeah. It's, got no problem with that. It's a great song. Is that the one with Alicia Silverstone and Liv Tyler? Yeah. yeah. No, 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 not Liv Tyler. It's the first one because they did a trilogy. They did uh, Crying, Amazing, and Crazin'. Crazy. <laughs> crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I love Crazins, man. <laughs> Crying's Cry- the one where Alicia Silverstone's like uh, basically like leaves the dude on the side of the road. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And then he, she goes and gets tattoos because that's what you do after you leave your boyfriend. Oh, the Stephen Dorff one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Stephen oh, Dorff. Yeah, that is a Stephen Dorff and, and, and fucking... Uh, uh, Oh, jo- Hawkeye. Yeah. Josh. Josh. What's <laughs> his name from Hawkeye. Lost? Oh, Josh Sawyer. Away. Yeah. And then she jumps off of a bridge with no rope. With no rope. But then. Until the very end. <laughs> ready to b- show that there was a bungee all the, the whole time and able to flip off the world. My answer was pretty good, too. By the end of it. What was your. Oh, uh, Cradle of Love. Yeah. 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 It's a great one. Yeah, it is. I don't I think did you can it. see that video as a teenager and not have it permanently burned on your brain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. By the way, when you say we're not funny anymore, I... (laughs) (laughs) Yes? I look back at old videos and go, man, that's kind of embarrassing. But they look back at those old videos and go, those were the those were the times, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wonder what, what it is. There was one guy on that AMA that was like, never heard of you. Which video should I start with? And I was like, well, I guess the first one, because it's short. If you hate us, he only wasted two minutes. And then he came back. I forget which one it was, but like four or five videos later was the one that finally clicked for him. And he was like, and now I love it. Oh, yeah. And I, like he went, he watched the first one and then watched the Avengers one. I think it was the Hunger Games one that mm. clicked or whatever. I'm like, all right. I can't wait for you guys to hear the audio on Tuesday's video from where I spoke French (laughs) because I got maybe the first five syllables. Pretty sure I got them right on. And then I just devolved into (laughs) I said to the editors, I'm not even going to do another take. That's perfect. (laughs) Because the French writing will be on screen for anybody that wants to go find out what I said. All right, everybody. Welcome. (laughs) Fuck me. (laughs) I had it right. And then I just said, fuck it. Do that girl. Watch that scene. Dig it, the dancing queen. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. <laughs>